But it was at the end. I know why you want me to say this, you saucy. <laughs> there was always something crooked. But when you buy um, cannabis off those people, they want you to have a bit of respect that you don't try it. I'm, I'm an addict. All I want to do is get high. My dad was probably one of the toughest men I've ever met, but also one of the weakest men I've ever met. Everything he'd done, there was always a bird in the background. Do I love my neighbour? How could I love my neighbour? I don't even love myself. I was always in trouble with women. I was always having pots thrown at me and kettles and, 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 and flower vases, and, and I used to love it. <laughs> and, and it was just part of the game. Yeah. He smashed me right on the chops. As I fell over, a dog bit me out the arse in the park. And I used to really suffer with bad rage, Michael. Sweet. Yeah, thanks. Sorry, for, sorry I asked you. No, 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 no. Okay, our sponsor for this episode is Spacemade. Spacemade offer flexible workspaces throughout the UK, and they currently have the following London locations. Queen's Park, The Strand, Fitzrovia, Swiss Cottage, and London Fields, as well as City Centre Leeds and City Centre Bristol. To find out more, do check out their website at www.spacemade.co. And finally, I would like to give a big thank you to the whole team there. I really am grateful for your support you've given us from day one, and it really won't be forgotten. If you are looking for a great space to work, guys, do check them out via the links in the description below. And for any direct inquiries, you can email them via info at spacemade.co. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So that was my mum and dad, yeah. All right, okay. That's my mum, that's my dad. You're, I remember you said your dad used to put vinegar and oil on himself. And tat, Did tat I tell you that? My no, nan, it's, it's, my it's, in the, it's in the what, book. And Tan, and Tan. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, yeah, my yeah. nan used to do that as well. That was him prior to that. That was him. Oh, you wouldn't want a right hand or yeah, off him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was him, and that was, that was early days. And that was that, and then that was that. What else is there? I know. God, he looks brown there, doesn't he? He says in his book, my dad used to... Yeah. Brown, you, what do you say? Your dad used to brown... That's right, he used to put oil, uh, vinegar and oil. Yeah. But we used to have it on it. And do you know what? We never used to burn. Yeah. Maybe because we were sort of... I don't know, maybe it was in our blood, but he'd go, vinegar and oil, son. And my mum and him and my brother and sister, I mean, we was quite a tight unit. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a great unit. But where he had his problems, she was the orchestrator of love. So whatever he was, you know, if you give to something that doesn't want to receive or don't know how to receive, mm -hmm. yeah, eventually the persistence of love is, is a game changer because it breaks down it breaks down. You, you, if you love, it's the antidote for everything. Yeah. So she, because she loved naturally, she never had to source a, she never had to source or force herself. It just came to us so naturally in her being so he had that and she had that so it was like the god and the devil really mm, mm. And, and it amalgamated and she absolutely adored him and but he adored her but when he left he left my mum and this is the traits that we both had uh and there's similarities to it but this is why i know it's oh, it's too similar that and it wasn't because I copied what he'd done, because I didn't like what he'd done, and I'd done it myself. 
in a reactional way, not in a planned way. It was the desire to want and get, not the actually having. I want it, I'm getting it. That was the buzz. The, the, the chase? The chase, it was, it was high energy. Mm. It, it attached itself to my trauma because my trauma needed to be fixed, the whole needed to be fixed. That's when I got touched by God, it touched that part. Mm. But it still didn't stop me doing what I was doing, it does today. But so my mother was the most incredible lady and she created a home. Uh, and it wasn't ostentatious, it wasn't because he was criminals that we had all gold hanging about everywhere. We had quite a, um, we had a cool home. Yeah, you mentioned in the book, you, your dad almost deliberately didn't overdo it because, number one, he just thought it was yeah. a reason to get caught, and number two, he just didn't didn't like the people he saw do it. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So there was a part of him that, like, his car was normal, and it was just how his mindset was. I mean, eventually, when we got arrested, he was living in a house in a small little, vig- uh, little village in, uh, just around the back of Epsom, and there was about three shops... Four shops, church, big green, cottages, and these big houses. He had one of the cottages. And he used to sit in his garden where he could be seen. And at that, that particular time, we was probably up there with, with the top smugglers in, in, the, in the UK, mm. fact. Mm. Um, and he would sit in his garden and labelling. He used to go to Boots House and buy little cups and saucers. And he'd be sitting there all day just putting like 10 pences and 20 pences. And I'd go, what are you doing? He goes, I'm all right. When they, f- he used to drive a thousand pound Savannah car. Mm. You'd never see him with a flash watch on. Never. Um, his house was a semi-detached cottage next to the church. And the point is he could have had all of that at one point. He could have had much he, greater than that. He point. could have had grandiose. I mean, when he was with my mother and we had a house in Epsom, that was quite a nice house. It was a detached house in a, in maybe a fifth of an acre. Sure. He had a he had a, a, a sort of orchard at the back, little small orchard. He had his greenhouse with his grey tomatoes. Our house was the mayor's house in of Epsom. Right. Okay. So you know it was a sturdy house, good house. It, it done the trick, you know, and um, he could sustain. He, he he could show that, you know. He always had straight businesses. My father as well. You know, he used to mess about with antique furniture. So you, it was always, there was always, like, he used to promote boxing shows, the unlicensed shows with a guy called Joe Park. Um, so he always had something going on. But mainly there was always the element of crime. He was into the, the VAT frauds back in the day. In, 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 I'm talking about back in the day with some sort of known people. Um, and... And that was like, but I, I, he used to do things. It was always a little trick going on. Like if if he would always get crooked MOTs or there was always something crooked, you know, yeah. something bent, you know. He, he always had something going on. So he used to jump in and out. But sort of when he was a young man, when he was sort of, my dad was probably one of the toughest men I've ever met but also one of the weakest men I've ever met. Yeah, and, you, you talk about that duality a lot in the book, I think. Mm, I think it... Um, well, that's where it, the spiritual thing came in. Yeah, that, 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 that duality of life itself, of, or at least the human brain alongside 
this this theme you you really which really stuck with me the 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 fit the fearless yet fearful at the same time really stood out. Well, look, I can only explain, but everything had, was exaggerated. It was always higher. Mm. And the more the hand-me-down train became, mine was more intense than ease. So here's a story which I'll give you an example of my dad. Yeah. And I'll give you one of me. When he got very ill, yeah. he, he had a dementia, but he also had a part of his brain that was still in touch with reality. Yeah. So it was like, it was like, not sure whether it was a payback for him, that he had, he was aware of it. But he handled it in a way that was incredible. Incredible. Because he knew what was going on and he used to say to me, because when they used to come in his room shouting all the dementias, I was like, get out of his room, he goes, stop it. You're not well, Michael. But he stayed there for 18 months in a nappy. And he, I knew he knew. I knew that he knew. And it's lo- and I'm not saying... Everyone, take that back. A number of people get dementia, and I think it's a very sad illness, actually. It is, it is very much so. And it's crippling. We'll talk about it off-camera, but we're working on this, um, just in very in brief, we're working on this football, football, at least sports nostalgic series, which is all about the nostalgia of sports, especially from the 70s and 80s. And... The gentleman I'm doing it with is connected a lot to Alzheimer's societies or charities, and we're going to put a lot of money towards that. So maybe at the right time, you could you could do an episode with us. It'd be really really interesting. Oh, lovely. Mm. So I've I've seen a lot of patients in there, and they'd be screaming and shouting and walking about, and some was aware. But my dad, every day I walked into that room, he knew it was Michael. Now, two doors along for him, coincidentally, was my wife Tracy's friend's mother, just coincidentally. This is out in Rygate. And she had it. And I used to say, shut but, but he never had it like that. So he was aware. And he, like when my mother died, he knew without me telling him. He was aware. So it was like a double whammy for him, really. And I'm not saying he was the only one like that in there, but when I think about everyone that was in there, it was like as if he was normal with dementia. It was quite bizarre, really. And um, the train of thought, where, where was we going with this when I got to the... So the part of him... Yeah, the, well, it's, the, it's the comparison of you and your dad and the yeah, duality of it. The, 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 yeah. the, 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 uh, so we was, we was on the farm prior to him going in hospital, and he was unstable on his feet. And at the end of the farm, where the main road was, so it doesn't flood, what they do, they build small little dips in yeah. the road like that, so the water can run, but they break up the concrete. So it's like a, it's like a pebble dash, yeah? And then some people put grass on it and flowers grow. But where we was walking, it was the only place we was, could walk on down the country lane. Anyway, there's a car, I said, Dad, Dad, the car, he's fallen over. And as he's fallen over, a stone embedded into the, that part of the finger. Fine. Anyway, I took him up the hospital and they said, oh, it's a bit of a bad wound. They clean it and he comes back. So I say to him, are you all right? But he got to go back in two weeks. After about seven or eight days, he said, it really feels hot. So I said, come on, we go and check it out. He said, yeah, it feels quite hot. So I, I walk up there with him and I take him in to see, there's a Portuguese doctor there. 
And I said, oh, his finger's a bit off. Can you have a look at it? He's come running out the room after he looked at it. He said, his finger's a bit off. He said, he's 24 hours minimum away from losing that finger. And what I can't believe is he doesn't feel it. Right. So he didn't feel that pain. That's why it was tough. That he could fight. He was brave. But the flip side, which was related to women, yeah, made him very weak and vulnerable. And the two of them was like oil and water and they didn't mix well. So he got confused. So like when he was going into prison, a couple of people said, Corey, he struggled in there because he was very spoiled. But he turned into an extreme, the way he'd done his prison sentence, I was proud of him. Mm. But get him out on the street and have a fight with him, you, you struggle. But when it comes to emotional things, he, I don't know, there was, a, and I had it myself, it was a mixture, so he didn't feel physical pain. But over women, he was like a big tart, and so was I. But my mother, my mother, gave him that equilibrium that he could survive with that dysfunction, yeah. Because it was, you know, Back to, he was a club owner in Nottingham. Every, he, he had a, a record business in Ireland, yeah. Everything he'd done, there was always a bird in the background, yeah. Always, yeah. And my mother, I suppose, God bless her, she chose not to, um, if she ever threatened to leave, it would have killed him. So it was like as if she was duty bound, um, and, and, and it never really sort of, she coped with it well. Is that what you think she never left? Uh, because of us. She was incredible. So, so it was, she felt it was, a, like you said, duty bound. You, you she was duty bound, but she wasn't submissive and trod on over. Yeah. She was the powerhouse of the family. So she, she wasn't having it from him, but she still stayed because of the yeah. US children. Well, I, 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 it wasn't that apparent that he was doing it all the time. Mm. But there was always, as I've grown older, I've found out, but she was just, it was like, a, like an Italian family. <laughs> you know, it was quite bizarre. And, and there was such a, a, I don't want to use the word regimental with love, but there was a regimental love in the house. There was a real organised love mm. between us all. Um, we were very close, extremely close. And he loved us. He, he would have died for us. Um, that's why I'm going to honour him when I I, I'm, I'm, I want to make this Netflix series because yeah. I want people to really know what he was rather than what they imagined he was. Fine. And and he was a very bright man, so there was a conflict there for him. He should have been. He, he was a uh, technical drawing they used to call just like a surveyor or, a, or an architect. He had the brain. He ran at White City in the 440, okay. which was prior to the all-English sports. I think he finished second. He was a champion amateur boxer. Um, he thought he was a builder, but he was diabolical. And there was that going on, and, and life goes so quick that I, I think when we lose track of the truth, I mean, Rod Stewart got away with it because he, you know, he used to remarry and do it all. But my dad and I these fairs were very dark. Mm. And I'm not saying the women were dark, because I don't want to disrespect the women, but that was one of the traits that we both repeated. Now, I hated it. 
I really hated it. So that is where I believe the spiritual aspect comes in. And it's not a cop-out. And I was abused and all things like that. So my opposite, so my dad wasn't frightened of a big, strong man. Mm. But if you got him in a corner and locked him away from his girlfriend, he'd act like a... He needed someone else. He always needed someone else. He wasn't, he wasn't necessarily... And you, would you, I guess you put yourself in that same category. You, couldn't, you weren't very good at being alone. Well, I'm not sure if... That, I mean, that was part of it. But the point I'm trying to make is the yin and yang of, of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the good and the bad, the opposite, the fear, yeah. the fearless. Um, and it, I think it all depends what mindset you take on as well with this stuff. Mm. Um, so I would do things... Here's an example of Michael, yeah? I was in... Um, yeah, can I say this? Yeah, I will say it. I was out... I was out in Morocco, yeah? With um, a known villain from London, but he was more of a... He was a... Um, I shouldn't name him, really. He's an old man, he's 92. Okay. But he had a way about him, this man. He wasn't violent. But he was... He's a very good-looking man, Irish. Come from a good background. And he, 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 was, he was friends with... Um, people like Richard Harris. Uh, Ronnie Corbett. Uh, he was married to a beautiful lady who whose father was a very, very wealthy man, and they was friends of... The people that know it is, I'm not going to name him. And he was... Uh, they were friends with Jack Warner. Um, he knew the Italian families. Joe Bagano was head of one of the five families in New York. Uh -huh. um, and um, he met Frank Sinatra. And he was a, he was a, <laughs> a very unusual character. I was with him yesterday, actually. And... Um, his wife lived down down there, and she married someone with influence. And uh, I won't say it was and what happened there. Maybe one day. And so that was the sort of an introduction of of some sort of naughty stuff that went out in Morocco. Mm. But when you buy um, cannabis off those people. They want you to have a bit of respect that you don't try it. Yeah, it was a level of, you know. So you mean at, at the time you, do, you don't you don't test the product? Well, you do. It's different environments, but this environment was meant to be respectable, right? Because there was someone with big authority there. I can't say what they were, but it was massive. Yeah. It, it was a green light, put it like that. Yeah. And then there was two. Two, two Moroccan boys and uh, me and my mate. I'm, I'm an addict. So we go to this incredible building in the back of the Casbah and it was like a 50 pence piece shape and it went up like a, like a torrent and there was kids playing in the courtyard. Now, when you went in the door, it looked a lovely door, but it looked a little bit, ooh, where are we going? And it opened up, there was a beautiful um, fountain there. And as you went up this spiral staircase, 
there was probably about three different landings. And this 50-piece shape went all the way up. So there was windows open with like linen drapes coming through. It was, it was beautiful. And there's the kitchen there, this there, the, this there. And then when we get up to the top, where's the meeting there? So I'm sitting there and I, 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 I sort of sit by the windows. There's no glass there. So they're just gaps like in the wall. And so I'm just staring in the courtyard. I thought, isn't it lovely here? And they're having a chat, yeah. And I'm meant to come sort of from like the London families. Your Joe Piles, your, your Brian Emmett, your, your all that sort of stuff, yeah. And uh, I'm just a crazy addict, a young kid who's, who likes getting a few quid. I was about 30 of them, I suppose. So, no, no, he says, you don't have to try this stuff. My Moroccan accent is not good. You don't have to try this stuff. I, I, all I want to do is get high. I'm not, I'm not really worried about the, the respect. Yeah. Anyway, it was strong. It was a thing called pollen. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. We're talking business. Mm. And they go, oh, yeah, this is this guy, this is okay, and this is, they know this one, and he's, he's friends with the Cray twins, this is my friend. The Richardsons, you know, all that stuff. Frankie. They're, they're, build, they're building you up, they're building you up. Well, they're not building us yeah, they are building up. But to, 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 the, to the other people. Happens to be true, but they just not, they're not saying that, they already know it. Mm. So I'm giving you, the, the, that conversation wasn't being had there, but they knew it, so mm. that was the respect in the room. Mm. Then, and the crazy addict comes along, me. Don't give a shit. Mm. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm the, the crazy addict comes along. <laughs> Don't give a monkey. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I say to him, you know, I want to try it. Yeah. Oh, this is this is this. So they bring me over this sort of chillum. Yeah. I've I've had a chillum. So, boom, it's strong. It's fucking strong, yeah. Boom. Now, they're sort of looking at me with a little bit disgust. I mean, it ain't that bad that I'm smoking it, but I suppose we're talking business. It's an element of trust. It wasn't to me. I wanted to get stoned. So, that's all right. Come on. Well, I'll finish that. I'm gone. <laughs> Solid gone. Oh, no, I can't move. So I'm looking around the room trying to engage. <laughs> and we can just see you getting high. Trying to get, and trying to make it funny. Yeah. And it's not, this is not funny. Yeah, this, doing... is, this is a serious deal. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. These, 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 some of these people was in places of authority. Mm. You know, and I'm there, this crazy young kid. So on the 50 pence shape where the windows were, so it goes round like that, this building. So I sort of put my foot up on the windowsill. It was a big windowsill. And the breeze is coming through. And, you know, sort of... I don't know what's going on in the room. I'm not out of it, but I'm heavily stoned. <laughs> yeah. And out the corner of my eye, a mouse runs across my foot, right? It frightened the life out of me. Now, this is the opposite, yeah. Michael. This is the duality you speak of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the duality. Yeah. I, I go, oh my God, Mo! And they went, what's wrong? I said, there's a mouse and it's run over my foot. And they went, 
So what? Hey, this guy, he's meant to be this big... This, this tough guy. This yeah, tough yeah. guy, and he's they'll start laughing at me, right? And my mate's gone, oh, come on. Anyway, I wing it. I try and style it out, but I, mean, I didn't only did I shout, I jumped up in the floor and went, oh, my God! You'd thought there was a bomb arrived. And they looked at me as if they say, what? It's a so what? That's the fear. And it's the beginning of the book. Mm. So about um, probably, I say it's two or three months, but it was longer than that. It's probably about six months later. The conclusion of that meeting. Well, don't put this next bit on but it's not the conclusion. So six months later, which it was six months later, I come over Biddeford Bridge. Can you hear me, son? Yeah, I'm just checking it's all good, because I, I know he's, he's doing a lot. When he does that, it's not a real big problem, is it? Yeah, but... Do, you me, do you want me to stop rubbing my beard, Sammy? No, I think you're all good. Just double check. Sorry, I was a bit just conscious rub, of it. Rub your beard quickly. And have a chat. No, you're it's yeah, yeah. I really like this young man. I know I'm you do. Sorry, I really, really like this young man. Um, go, go on, Mike, so tell us. So six months later. Yeah, but only because I can feel it. So six months later, it's in the book. Mm-hmm. I come over Biddeford Bridge um, and what we didn't know that there was a story behind this story what we got arrested for. We when, saw when, when, which which arrest? My, when I got the, arrested, the, 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 the gunpoint, the last one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, we will, we will go into more detail on that. But go on, it, it was it was whatever it was. But if we're going to go, we will talk later about it. So the when you're doing a drug smuggle like that, the intensity of the arrest sort of shocked me a little bit. Mm. Yeah, armed officers. It was like, whoa, this is pretty, you know. And I suppose it does fit the bill. But when you think about it afterwards, the way they was moving about, moving things about by helicopters, it was guns, it was pretty heavy going. Not that you take a lot of notice of that, because the adrenaline kicks in. Mm. But as I get out of the car, for some unknown reason, they're calling my name, yeah? And um, Michael Emmett get out of the car, and I don't think I've exaggerated it. If I made the book, I don't think I have exaggerated. I think it's true what I say. But the the emotion is true. I might the finer details might. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure it's a hundred percent true. But they shout my name out. Mm. Yeah. When I get out of the car, Bracken's being it. It was brave, Peter Bracken. Alan Trotter, the driver, he just died a few years ago. But he'd it, it spent a number of years in prison. I'll get to the point. And um, he collapsed because it was, you know, big lights, guns, night ding, bomb. It was all that craziness. And they were armed to the gunnels. And um, they shout out, Michael Emmett, get out. So as I get out of the car... As I get out of the car, it's surreal. And what was surreal about it, my voice, only for a few minutes, few few minutes, few seconds, I took control of the environment by going, now hold up. 
Star. So you're saying at the point of the arrest, which was the final arrest, where it was that it was that big bust, which we'll obviously get into later down the line. But there's all this this chaos. There's all this going on. You, you get pulled out of the car. No, don't get pulled out of the car. Oh, you I, don't. I get out of the car. You get out of the car, and there's heavy noise. You know, everyone's trying well, to get got... the shit out of you. And at that that moment, you, this is when you shout and raise your voice. Yeah. So if I if yeah, you're right. So Bracken goes to run and dive in the sea. He was a game brave boy, Bracken. Mm. And in fact, you look a little bit like him. You okay. look, there's okay. a similarity to the man. What, what was Bracken? Bracken was one of the smugglers with you, right? He was my co-defendant. Okay. Didn't he? He does look a bit like Peter, didn't he? So. <laughs> He's a smuggler. Yeah, he was yeah, a smuggler. Yeah, yeah, okay. But he was he was a nice boy, Peter. We've we've had that. I actually, I actually remember this. He, he was the one who told you to stick around, didn't he? And you That's didn't want right. to be there. Yeah. My dad didn't want me to be there. I, I, I'm sure whatever he would disagree with that part of the book. But, but I'm not bothered what he thinks. To mm. be honest with you, mm. that's my story. So as I get out of the car, Alan Trotter, the driver, he collapses. He's just gone in the front seat. He's it's, it's too much for him. He was a recovering alcoholic, beautiful man. Uh, and I didn't expect Alan got out of the case, but Peter's jumped out, and, and right there is 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 it's Westwood Ho. It's in the boat is in the is in the harbour, mm. and Peter is November the seventh. Peter's going to dive in the sea. It's very easy, but he wanted it, Peter, and he's, he was like a rabbit. He was, and I can remember it vividly in the memory. <laughs> He's out the door. I don't even think the car had stopped. And he was running for the sea. And they got him. I think they might have done him a favour. Because it was cold. And they sort of pistol whipped him, if I remember rightly. I'm, I'm sure they did. And I put it in the book they did. So I'm there on my own. With There was a, there was a sea wall here. And there was guns there. And then there was um, guys running towards me. And it was like an American film, pointing at them like that. And this is true. Um, Michael Emmett, put your hands above your head. Bollocks. Not having it. I'm looking, my mind's looking for a way out. Only seconds this. Mm. But when your life's in danger, Someone said, how do you remember it? Trust me, you remember it. Trust me, you remember it. Maybe because I've already told the story so many times that it, 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 it's, a re it's 30 years ago, but then it's fresh because mm. I've repeated the story. Plus, there was a bit of ego and a bit of pride attached to it. You know, I got nicked with armed officers, all rubbish. But this is the point. They come towards me and I've got, and I've got someone's number in my, in my pocket, which they're not getting. Concealed weapons, someone shouts out. And it's all happening. And I go, listen, stop, all of you. And it stopped for about 10 seconds. It went quiet. It was really weird. So the authority of my voice, now listen, fucking stop. Mm. Leave him alone. I don't know what I'm doing. Eventually they come behind me, bum, 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 bum. Gun in front of me like that. That mouse frightened me. That gun, and it's not because I'm not frightened of guns. I didn't give a shit. It was weird. 
So that's the opposite of Michael. And that is that. That's the the extreme duality. Than when you said fear, fearless and fear, um, yet fearful. That's it. That's that's it. Yeah. But it's... what tripped back in hmm. when I was on the floor, and I'm sure I put it in the book. He said, "A penny for your thoughts," and all I could think about was my three daughters. And it was November the seventh on a blistery night. I was handcuffed. They handcuffed me behind and put, I was like a weeble. They pushed me over, and he went, yeah, "We've got you now, Emmett." And plus they wanted Bracken like they wanted me. But this is my take on it. Mm. And uh, he said, a penny for your faults. I had, t- t- I had tears coming out of my eyes. Not because I was nicked. I thought, my kids, my children. And, he, and I think he meant that I was weeping. I said, go on, fuck off. I think he said, I said, he said, what? He said, a penny for your faults. I said, my kids. He went, what? He's talking about his kids. I said, leave me alone, mate. Fuck off. And I had tears. And I wasn't crying because I was upset. I was crying for my children. So if you take the mouse, you take the gun, and you take the reality. I mean, that is the mixture of opposite woven Mm. in my character. And it's uncontrollable. It just happens to have a voice. It has a life. Today it's manageable. But then, because I was ignorant to what it was... It, it, it used, and I'm not saying I'm the only one who's like this. You know, well, I was wondering if, if you felt you've seen it a lot in other men, especially young men. Not, I don't know, really. I, I just was. I think my life was a was a blur. It was. It, I thought it was an excitement ball. Mm. I thought it was just everyone was on the fun fair, and you had to do what you had to do. And and I think when you're clouded, that's why I know God's real, because my card was marked long ago, this is my opinion, mm. with, I was spiked with a, a spirit of darkness and it formulated an opinion, it formulated an action and it, and it wanted more, more. People call it addiction. But mine was weird, hence the affairs were so outrageous. And continuous. And continuous. And so I never learned, my heart learned. Yeah. But it wasn't my art, what was an action. People go, oh, he, like, he took liberties. Okay, I took liberties. I'm not trying to hide from it. But if I want to write, write a list of things of good I've done, trust me, there's a lot. And I'm not here to brag about that. But I think the reason why I sort of got, a, not I got away with it, the reason why I sort of reigned with the dysfunction, because I firmly believe people loved me because they could see the heart that you've seen. Now, am am I looking for, is this a popularity competition? No, because whatever people think, they think. So my amends to life and my amends to Michael, my amends to the people I've hurt, my my amends to my family, is today I don't do those things. And it gives the, the atmosphere time to heal. They say time's a good healer. So, so yeah. So for me today, I feel at one with myself. Let, let's say I don't feel at one with myself, but I'm, I'm closer. Bear Grylls said this, I think it's in the book. I was going to ask you about this, but yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. So Bear Grylls says, I've, I, I should think it's on there somewhere. Yeah, that book there, that top book. Oh, yeah, Facing Up. Facing I, up. I think he signed that, Bear. Um, 
So basically, he says the last. I'm, I'm think he says it like this. He says last two hundred meters are the hardest. Uh, uh, yeah. On, on Everest, yeah. Yeah, it, it's where it makes or breaks, hmm. and um, and and I feel that that I, I'm over that. I, I'm near the summit. Um, and my idea of being at the summit is not God's idea of me being at the summit. I, I, it, my will. Why, why do you refer, reference God there? Why is, why is well, that? it's very important to me. God's will. Okay, fine. So you, what you, you feel. I feel you God, feel God's vision or will towards you is different from what you have in mind. I wouldn't say it's different. I, I would say the. I wouldn't say it's different. I'd say the emotion behind it. Okay. So if I want it for Michael's to, of self gratification, um, it, it will only I'll get to the summit and I'll have to go another two hundred meters because mm. it will, it wouldn't be fulfilling. It would be me. I'm not saying I'm not against the challenge because God God doesn't do everything for me, but He empowers me. And I think the godly wisdom is if I get to the summit, how I get there. It would take a lot longer. I've experienced that. It, I would get to the top and go, achievement. But if I take the will of God to the summit, it creates a peace. Mm. It creates an understanding. And it creates that the glory of the summit doesn't fill my, fill my pride. The glory of the summit, if I do it in the way that God wants me to do it, and that's by being kind to myself and kind to others, then... It's there's a humility about that, and humility is one thing that I've never had. Well, I've, I've had humility in my heart because my head used to take over. This might sound weird to people, but this is my story. Yeah. The humility in my heart was I didn't want the glory, but my head and my heart have been at conflict for so many years. And if anyone's listening to this, and 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 they're struggling in any way, shape, or form, I'm not saying that I've got the secret recipe, but there is a way. Seek, knock, listen, and you'll get answers. So there is a difference in my will and God's will. They may look the same, but it's what it does to the inner being and the heart and and the settlement of the mind that I've experienced things I don't want to keep jumping about, but when I was arrested, there was a part of me that wanted affirmation. Look at him. Yeah. Well, as if it was almost impressive that you got arrested for that. Well, in our world, it is. I mean, if if Ronaldo scores 20 more goals than Messi, it's, 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 wow. It's confirmation from your peers, isn't it? That's, Correct. Yeah, that's which people seek in their own bubble, whatever it is. But for me... It was yeah. the criminal world. Yeah. But for me, I was involved with one of the biggest drug cannabis smuggling operations. It's far bigger than what's been... what we got arrested for. Yeah. But that bigness wasn't nothing to do with me. I was part of a chain. Mm. So I don't really... Uh, but it was big, yeah. So my arrest, they say five ton, it was some aborted. So it was worth a huge amount of money. Yeah, millions. In that same period of my life, 
when I got touched by God, mm. and as much as you want to, it's my reality, Mike. When I got touched by God, Alpha in prisons become one of the biggest prison ministries in the world. And just very quickly, so people know, what is Alpha exactly? So Alpha is, a, is an introduction to Christianity. It's not offensive. It's not hard. If you don't like it, you can leave. It's not forced upon you. It's not radical. Mm. It's, it's more about the spirit of love. Right, okay. Yeah. And you go along. They like non-believers to challenge it. And they like people to not argue about it, but they like to have a firm, good discussion about it. Mm. And, and, and it's up to you whether you find your faith or not. But it's not by man you find your faith. It's by, it, it, there's, in the psalmist, it says it, it calls deep to deep. So the calling of God is a deep call in one spirit, in my opinion. So it's not a, it's not a, a mind thing. It's not even a heart thing. It's a very deep, part of the being that I think we're all frightened of mm. personally in the mystery but to just to give you the example of Michael's will and God's will sure so I wanted a part of me wanted to be you know like God you see how much cannabis he's been nicked with it's all delusional crap yeah but you can you can live in that if you want and and and, and, but there was always a clonf, conflict. Of, I used to talk about it and afterwards think, what are you talking about? Because it wasn't my heart. But that was the territory of being a criminal. Well, yeah, you know how much money he's got. And you know that job? Yeah, like the Brinks Matt job or, 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 or the Great Train Robbery. Or, it's all, you know, and I'm not knocking the Great Train Robbers because I knew them all and they were most of them. They were beautiful men. I know that might offend people, but I see their hearts even as a child. You know, I used to, a number of them I got really close to. Um, and not because they were the great train robbers. I got close to them because I bloody liked them. I used to get high with them. <laughs> Especially Gordon Goody down in Mahaka. There's another great story that I don't think, oh, it's in the book when we have the fight with it. But let me just finish yeah, the point. Yeah, you, you do, because we're going to track back off that to a sorry. particular question. But go on. Because otherwise I'll lose it. I'm so sorry. Don't, I don't apologise. So, Alpha in prisons. Yeah. Alpha in prisons, yeah. Because as you said, as you got arrested, Alpha was was becoming much more popular in prisons. No, I started it in prison. Oh, you started it, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't looking to do that. Samantha Fox came down with Daniela. But that's another story how that began. I, I won't diverse. I'm talking about my emotions here. Hmm. So five years ago, I was asked to speak at the Albert Hall. Now, I, I'm a flawed Christian. I'm a flawed man of God who's getting better. I'm not one of these people who go, hallelujah, I've got it tumbled. And I'm not sure if I want to be that man. I, I wondered that, yeah, when you said that. Yeah. yeah I wonder I, if, I, I don't see that as you. No, but I still want to recognise, yeah, anyway, that's another story because mm. we can speak for hours, Mike. But this is what I wanted to say to you. I, I get asked to talk at the Albert Hall, yeah, and the opposite kicked in. But prior to going in the Albert Hall, I went to a workshop in, in a lovely little church called Queensgate, which was run, or run, was a, was a guy I know called Paul Cowley. And he's an ex-criminal who, who became a vicar. So he, 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 they, I go into the church. In fact, I wasn't at Queensgate. I was at Holy, Holy Trinity Brompton, which is home of Alpha. Queensgate yep. is one of its plants, they call them. 
So I, I go, I, I go into the church at, at the Albert Hall. My, my, my parents had both just died. Yeah, it was sort of that time. Or my, yeah, both my parents, dad had just died. He died in the January, February, and this was a May. Mum had died six months previous. So I, I'm in the church, and here's this. I love Africa. I don't know if you've been, I love it. Yeah, South Africa I've been, but unfortunately not anywhere else but that. No. Great, great country, yeah, great, great country. people. Yeah, yeah. My opinion. So there's this guy. The only thing I'm not too sure about is their fashion, to be honest. With you. <laughs> yeah. So there's this guy. He's got shiny trousers on, mm -hmm. lovely sort of bright coloured shirt, and he's, he looks like a man of stature. Anyway, I'll right, cut the chase. He comes up on the stage, yeah, and I can find out his name if you want it. But he was put on death row. Oh, it's the Ugandan fellow, yeah. yeah. Is it in the book? Yeah, it's, it's in the book. It's yeah, in the yeah. book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he gets put on death row, yeah. And he's on death row for 26 years. Is it in the book? Of course it's in the book. He's on death row for 26 years. He looks out of his cell door or something like this, sees the Alpha Course, does Alpha. Yeah, gives his life to Jesus. Yeah. Mm. And I know that's the terminology that the world don't really sit with, but it happens to be true. So, he, all right, it connects with the power greater than us. Yeah. Okay, which is Jesus, in my opinion. So, and I'm adamant about it. So all of a sudden he goes on stage and he said, yeah, he said, I was on death row for 25 years, 26 years. He said, I see the Alpha course. I do the Alpha course. He gets released from prison, yeah. And he gets his job back in the Uganda. It was a, it was a, it was a, um, it was a, a, a political coup, yeah. He survived 26 years. Every day he thinks he's going to die every 26 years. Does the Alpha course. He's on stage. And I think there was a course I started. And I thought, my God. God, the humility in that for me was incredible. Now that's success. If that was a big company, which I started, and the end result was as powerful as that, in the world that would be deemed successful. It's a miracle, saved his life. But the, hum the, 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 the humbleness, the humility that, that I found, it brought a tear to my eye. And I felt a voice inside of me, not an audible voice, but a voice say, that's the fruit. And I thought, now, someone else could have started this course. I'm not saying that. But to be at the beginning of something mm. and then to see someone saved on death row and now sitting in the same church as me, it's incredible. Now, that didn't take any... I didn't want to boast about that. I, I, I was so moved by it now if that was the crime story running alongside of it yeah i got nicked by five ton that's michael that story all right i've wrote it in the book but it's not something that i take I, it doesn't make me feel proud of myself or it doesn't i don't want to be in the Christian community going, do you know what I'd done? You know, I started Alpha and the geese was on death row, you know, a group of Christians, yeah, but do you know what I'd done? Group of criminals. Listen, I was nicked by 10 tonne of puff. Hmm. In the church, it just does not fit in with the emotional side. of. So that's the difference for me. Yeah. That's God's will. That's Michael's will. 
So that's what the point I was trying to yeah, make. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I and get there it. feels a difference in it, Mike. Okay. Feels a difference. Um, I, I do, I do get it, and I just want to track back a bit because obviously we'll, we'll want to put this in at some point. But I guess that let, if we could start from the beginning, of it, you know, who who is Michael? Where, like, where, where were you born? Where did you grow up? And those the, the, those sort of infant and early childhood years. If, but maybe if you could just summarise a little bit, you know. Which, well, okay, so, so, so if if I could ask, where was Michael born? Who was his mum and dad? Let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> my father was Brian Emmett and my mother was Jean. And I was born in the flats in Stockwell, behind Stockwell Tube Station, in 1958. On October the 18th. That's where it began. I was in the flats till I was six. You know, there was the abuse in the flats. Yeah, well, 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 well I mean, you, should we... Should we talk about that? Can we speak about it another time? Yeah, cool. Do you mind? No problem. I'm all right with it, but yeah. I just take, you know, take the flavour out of me. Cool. Um, although it's a big part of it. Um, but when you get sexually abused, you go into denial. And you, and you don't... You, you. They say that the youth is wasted on the young. I mean, there's such beautiful times. <laughs> what, a what a phrase. But... It, 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 that's a huge ir- ir- irony that statement. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, I mean, I think we're I, tough as kids as well, though. Of course. Anything I would say, just can we do a little? I, I don't want to harp on it too much because if if you you think it would drain your energy, let's not do it now. But what I would say is, obviously, you were born you were born in Stockwell. You mentioned where you were born, but in your early age, what sort of four or five? Yeah. Your babysitter did yeah, my sex, babe- sexually abuse you. Yeah, she did. The baby yeah. shit. And, and and just because it was a woman who, essentially. Without going too much deeper, just would, would, would what? Just do stuff that you didn't have, didn't have any knowledge of. I mean, I, I don't want to explain that. Yeah. I mean, what it was, it was, uh, it was high energy. It was, it wasn't very nice. It was, I was interfered with. I was touched. I was played with. Mm. I was wrapped up in a sheet, and and it never happened loads of times. It only happened a number of times, but one's too many. And a thousand, not enough in that situation. So it's very dysfunctional. Yeah, it's a lot deeper than that. But I don't really want to go there that's today. Fine, that's fine. Just that's as, cool. As long as there's a little bit so people understand it. Did, that's when, cool. When and when it happened. When and cool. where it happened, sort of. Thing. Okay, that's cool. So it was. It's not that I don't want to go into it because I don't want to explain it. I just feel pretty chilled out, Mike. Hmm. Um, and so there was sexual. He's enjoyed abuse. himself. That's good. Yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah. No, please. So there, there was sexual abuse. It created trauma. And it created abandonment as well. So if you teach a kid at four French, trust me, by the time they're 10, they're going to be proper. They're going to be fluent. So I got taught something that, that, that really, uh, you teach kids about playing with dolls and, you know, and Johnny Seven Guns and Action Mans. And to have a sexual experience like that. Now, there's doctors and nurses. I've heard loads of little kids go, oh, yeah, we experimented when we were 10. We looked at each other's private parts. It wasn't that. It wasn't buggery. It wasn't a man. But it opened up. Ooh, I could even feel it now. It opened up a part of me that I wasn't emotionally, spiritually, mentally right for. Mm. So it's like... And you were so young. We're at four, five, yeah. six. And she would have been 16, 17. 16, 17. Yeah. And, and it happened a few times. So it just opened up. And I think what the trauma come from, my parents was in the next room. 
So, I've repeated, not what she'd done to me to other people, but I've repeated that same energy in my sex life. And I don't mean I haven't raped anybody or anything, but, but, but my sex life become very dysfunctional. And it wasn't, I'd never forced myself. I, 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 I'm not being funny. I don't mean to be arrogant or rude here, but I've never had a problem with, a, with finding girls, mm -hmm. like all of us. So <laughs> Never. <laughs> oh, I love that. Just to be clear, one of his friends said, yeah, never, not once. Um, <laughs> so you never had a problem. But, so the but, drive, put it this way. But you, but you think emotionally at least. Oh, come on. It, it yeah. was crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I cried out for my mum in my, in my quietness of the echo of my life. Mum, where are you? I didn't mm. realise I'd done that. But that lived with me till the day my mum died. Mum, where are you? It affected my relationship with women. I always had two women in my life. I'm sorry to say that. So one represented my mum. One represented the sex. Mm. Now, I've never forced anyone to have sex but the level of sexuality that I went to with drug taking was dysfunctional and I'm not being funny I, I didn't participate on my own with it I participated with a woman with it so it wasn't forced upon it was an agreement yeah and I seem to be attracted to that sort of stuff yeah and I'm not proud of it it happened so probably a lot of people go well that's pretty normal yeah what to just have dirty sex my bottom line oh okay fine. you know fueled with drugs yeah but there was something that she'd done to me, and I'm not going to tell you what it was. There was something that she'd done to me that I repeated on myself for many, many years. And it wasn't nothing bad. I'm not going to, Mike, you're not going to get the truth out of me. Yeah, yet. no, no. I'd, I'd... But it was an action that she participated that I copied, yeah? So for me to copy that, it must have had a... Pro it wasn't, I didn't used to do it to anybody else. I'm talking about myself. So I copied something that she taught me as a four-year-old, five-year-old kid. And it was to do with a sexual action. It was to do with masturbating, yeah? And it continued in my life. So when I say, when I was in therapy over it and I was in denial that it happened, mm. the influence stayed with me sexually on myself till, till most of my life. So it had an effect, Mike. And, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but, but it affected me terribly. And it, it gave me a card that I didn't want. It gave, I didn't need it with the mad dad I had and the ancestral stuff that came into me. This was the last thing I needed. And, and it was that, and it wasn't, I mean, I've heard some sexual abuse that was way beyond what I experienced. But for a five or six year old kid to participate in something like that against his will. But I'll be honest with you, after the second or third time, I, I enjoyed it. That was the insanity of it. As a young boy. Yeah, you, me you mentioned that in the book, there was almost mm. this weird, mm. again, duality or oxymoron of, mm. of, of, it be you again. You being fearful but fearless, and it, it fascinates me. This 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 running theme throughout that. Mm. Um, Mike, can I ask? It's the new Joe Rogan, isn't it? <laughs> Let, well, it's the new Joe Rogan. Well, let's yeah, let let's see. Let's see.
Um, no, no, we're going to proclaim that in front of the audience. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the new Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Rogan. Mike Rogan. Mike Rogan. When did you first uh, tell anyone about it? Uh, that's a terrific question. Uh, I think I told only one person. It sort of flitted around a little bit. But I first told someone who I trust probably about 30 years ago. But as I got so in... So you didn't tell anyone for... No, no, I didn't 30, tell... My, 30, my, 30 odd years, you didn't tell a soul? My parents... Ne- no. Not a soul for, for no, decades? No, 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 no. And then... That's, that's a common trait with people who, who suffer, suffer abuse. Is it my... Yeah. I've, no. I've, I've, you know, they, did you hear about this... This documentary about all these football coaches who used to use yeah, it as, yeah, as, a, as a weapon. Yeah, I did. And, yeah. and, and that was fascinating. That the common trait was always it, they were so frozen by it that they just they just they just lock it in, and it came out thirty years later. And obviously, mm. people close to them are devastated. Yeah. Did you ever wonder why it was on a personal level? Why there was that need to to hold it in, or just or, or why why it went that way? Why it took so long? I suppose what it is, Mike, because you being... I didn't look dysfunctional. In fact, I weren't a bad-looking kid. So you would never look at me and think, oh, he's damaged. But I was. And I don't know what it is in the production of child, boy, man. But we have to grow... We have to... You know, you don't go from being two to being ten. Each year... In our lives, something happens to the growth of the being. Mm. Yeah. So I lost years. I lost years. It affected my growth. Yeah. And I don't know why, but that's why I believe in God, Mike. Something kept me going because I had all this stuff running about in me that. I, I, I used to really dislike. I, it, it, it was mind altering, and I and I used to. So what I done, I learned to do things to change the way that I felt. Now, I'm not sure how I done it, but I always had that sort of old fashioned martyr. Keep your mouth shut, no matter what. Now, whether I was taught that or was it instilled in me, I don't know. But I suppose the shame of it. Then I became quite, and I don't really want to be talking about this, but I will. I became quite sexual at a very young age. So maybe, maybe from the ages of 6 to 14, I thought, ah, it's all right. You know, maybe. I didn't don't even know. think much of it. Maybe no. Didn't acknowledge it, yeah. No. But something happened that shocked me. I'm not going to explain that. Hmm. But I then started to... When I started to act out on it, the affairs that I had, and the affairs I had, they were beautiful women, Michael. Hmm. But when I went into therapy over it, and this is not a cop-out, they said, if you think about it, the girls that you've had affairs with, they were very close to you. It was very dangerous, and it was behind closed doors. That was my abuser. So the affairs that I had was very similar. They were very close to me. They were very dangerous. 
moved beyond. So, so I repeated so, so the danger, dangerous being often a partner of someone, some a friend of yours, for example. Yeah. Or, and that and and that's the that's the danger aspect. Closely, yeah. you got to know them before anything sexual sexual would happen. They were my friends. Yeah. The girls were my friends, and their partners were my friends. Mm. So, am I proud of that? No. So when I the first affair I had, I had a breakdown, and I remember seeing the abuser. I was walking behind her, and because I knew her, I'm not going to tell you it is. Sorry, the woman who abused you when yeah, you were younger. Yeah, as at, at, around the time that you had your first affair. No, I'd had an affair with a girl. Yeah. Okay. And uh, when the affair became alive in 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 the, in, in, in in my Coincidentally, you saw your abuser. Not coincidentally, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to oh, get okay. into that. I saw the abuser. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm walking behind her, and I and I had a, I'd had a breakdown because I had this affair, a terrible breakdown because I hated what I'd done. I hated myself, and I suppose you lose popularity. It was it was big in the community. It caused murders. You know, my the poor guy, my wife, um, and I couldn't live with myself. I hated myself. And uh, I'd exposed myself, and uh, and I was the, the 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 person what was involved with my early days. Um, I was walking down the road. I was I was in her company. I knew her, and um, and um, I remember saying in my head, "This is your fucking fault," and I'm going back a long time ago, and I lost control. I lost my way. I lost my way. And, and the denial of it probably suits. Denial's good. Well, it's bad, but it, it, it's good for a period of time. Yeah. And when I went into recovery, yeah. I, I opened it up. But what the man told me and my therapist, he said, you must never speak to this person without professional help because you don't know what it will do to them. So I always sort of, uh, what, what I wish I'd have done, Mike, is shared it with one or two people. But I've now put it in a book. Um, I, I've shared it because I started to share it as to say, yeah, but don't you know I've been abused? That's why I've done that. And, and that was a bit of a cop-out. Although it was instrumental in my behaviour, that... It was sort of a, a bit of a release valve. Maybe I could justify my own behaviour with it. But at the end of the day, it may have been the sort of injection of dysfunction from sexual behaviour that impregnated in me. Um, so it, it was the cause. It's like taking your first fix. You know, they say... One is too many, a thousand not enough. Yeah. So I do firmly believe that it had a massive influence on my behaviour. When I got into therapy, which wasn't, it was long after that, and it was explained to me that it's really badly affected me. Because well, of my well lots of people talk about the integral years to your behaviour, and, and I think it's something like three years old when you're, when you're a conscious being through to about 11, 12, are such integral years to your your ge general Growth. adult life. Um, <laughs> well, there you go. You've yeah. answered it in one line. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so obviously, yeah. you know, we, we talked, you know, five, six years old. And then as, as a kid, you grew up in Stockport, but then moved out to Epsom, is that right? No, we moved to New Malden at first. Yeah. In sleepy New Malden. It was, uh, 
we 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 moved opposite the vicar, Mr. Chart. I don't know if you know the Clampett family, or do you know the Clampets? No. I mean, tell us. Yeah, go, go, Google it. Okay. Everyone Google it and you'll find out who the Clampets mm. are. But we was a bit like the Clampett family. They was from, um, that was a great series. Do you remember the Clampets? Hillbillies. Ah, oh, brilliant. Cartoon. No, it was, a, it, was a, it was a program that was on and they, they struck oil and they become rich. And they, you know, yeah. Uh, Ah, oh, dear. It's, it's before our time, Mike. Long time before, ago. Not before, before our time. his time. <laughs> yeah, you as well. Sam, have you got it on there? Yeah. Is there a song on there you could play? Let's have a look. I've got it up on Google, but yeah. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this, this was this, the Beverly Hills Hillbillies. Yeah. The Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, I remember them. You see, movie star. Can we see that? <laughs> There's a great song that goes with it. Mike, do that again one time. That's the Clampets. That was briefly the Emmets in 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 Rygate. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Right, in right, New right. Morden. It's New Morden. So, so you so you went there. And what, how old are you at this point? I'm uh, I'm six, seven. Okay. And and I remember you saying you was it well sorry not you saying but you mentioned in the book you you went to a better school maybe a bit more where you were the you were the odd one out right. Yeah, I was the odd one out because I was a Cockney kid. Right, and everyone else was a bit more... Well, I wouldn't say they were sort of middle-class posh, but they'd been brought up in, in Surrey, you know, in New Morden, and there was an element of wealth there. But it was an, an element of sort of, sort of just, uh, I would say, like a... Uh, just nice semi-detached detached houses. Uh, there was a lot of policemen who lived there. Yeah. Uh, there was doctors and there was sort of nice kids and, you know, they come from nice homes and, 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 and they didn't really know. Very, very stable families, I guess. Well, I'm not sure if they or, were stable. Or they at least appeared, appeared on the outside. They, it, it seemed to be a cleaner way of life. Hmm. But whether they were stable or not, I, I, I mean, the Roy, I, I, I'm not against the Royals. I love the Royals. But they, they got the best houses in the world, but they weren't stable, was they? So stability comes from the big being itself, not the environment, I believe. But they seemed on the outside to be cool, yeah? Or normal, to yeah. coin a phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you were at school there, because I remember, is this is this the bit where you started selling sandwiches? for? A, no, that was the next part of my school. Okay, okay. You're a bit older. Well, I was 14, yeah, but I was uh, 12, 13, 14 then. So, sorry, I've got to say, <laughs> just for uh, chronological order, there's a bit in the book that said you, some geezer used to pay you 20p so he could watch you... Watch kiss you, the girl, kiss yeah, the girl, yeah. yeah. He's, you were 12 he, years old. I, I was 11. <laughs> 10, 11 in my last year of primary school. That's an entrepreneur, guys. That's an entrepreneur. <laughs> and he's, and he's, his dad was a big copper. Yeah. From I think he was from Scotland Yard, his dad. His name, uh, his name was... I won't say what his name was, but he, he was in my school and, and the little girl... Oh, I was hilarious, and I, I just thought kissing girls was normal. You know, playing with myself, I thought was normal. But, but I've spoke to people if they go, "This what? We never had sex till we was fourteen or fifteen or sixteen. I said, "Oh, did you really? I was actually early days." So it was just something that I thought was like reading the Beano. Yeah, and it was exciting. You got you got something, you know, not that I was sort of whatever, but I, there was a, there was a small excitement attached to it. Uh, and, and the smaller the excitement as a young kid, the bigger the hole became because it wasn't correct. Um, I wasn't learning anything that was good or fruitful or, or, or stood me in good stead. It was I wanted to touch, I wanted to put my hand down girls' knickers 
of very young age. So you must have been, what, tw- you must have been just about 12. I was and, 11 and, and I, t- I said, you, yeah, I said yeah. every time I kiss her, I want a penny. Yeah. You said to her, oh, you said to him? Said to him, yeah. She kissed me 20 times. You got 20p. Yeah, but it's, it's a true story. That's what I mean. And it was in, it was in the bike shed. What? what? <laughs> but it's really funny. The name of the teacher who slipped with me. This is fucking classic. This yeah, is this, is, this is true. Yeah, no, I know. It's the true. Name I, of the... When, I, can I tell you something? When I was re- reading the book, I couldn't stop fucking laughing when I heard this. Especially the fact that the kid's dad was a copper. Oh. And it all went around school. Went pear-shaped. Sort of yeah, yeah. But the the, te- the 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 teacher was called Mrs. Newbegin, and I was reading about her. And there was where you lived. I joined this little thing, and, and and her name came up. But the I was reading it on Facebook the other day. But she said, and you know, it was, it was, she couldn't do it today. So I've seen the the guy and his mum at the door, the, the door, and behind the desk where you used to sort of put your um, you, you used to pay for your school dinners, and you'd be a register. There was a book room there. And she called me, oh, I feel I pushed me the, the, the lid of my desk up so I could hide behind it. I thought, oh, no. And uh, she'd obviously, it, it had a terrible weekend, obviously, frightened that I might hit him or something or whatever. I don't know what he thought. And uh, he didn't bring the money to school, told his mum. She's come up to school. She's told Mrs Newbegin. And I got slippered in front of the whole class, which was quite... It's true. She slippered me in front of the class, yeah. which she couldn't get away with today. She did, I don't think she told the class what it was for. I suppose it was just like doctors and nurses, really. But it weren't to me. You know, I was serious about it. It wanted me a bit of dough and all. Yeah. So, but that was that. And it, it just progressed. It was... Because uh, you lost your virginity like quite early, didn't you, as well? I lost my virginity very early, yeah, I suppose. Which uh, I found quite unusual, cause, well, I, or maybe not, I guess it's the extremity of your personality. I was about 12 or yeah, 13 12, when I sort is, of, but I don't know if, I don't would, know. Would you call it, would you, yeah, I wouldn't say that it was, was sex, close, but it was. But you know, I penetrated a young girl, Yeah. but I can't really, it was just like as if I was having, without being disrespectful to women, because I love women. I've got some of the best women friends in the world and the Bible very strong on its women. But it was just something that I thought, you're done. I thought it was normal. And um, I, I, she was older than me, this girl. There was a couple of them. I used to, have, I used to get love bites and all that. My dad used to go potty. And, and before I knew it, this adolescent six-year-old was now 12, 13, 14. And what I'd learned which I shouldn't have learned, become very, very apparent in my life. And I was just always had a girlfriend or always yeah. searching for birds or always getting in trouble over women. And it, and it wasn't until I got mature and older that I used to, that I didn't even realise then. You know, I was very sort of immature in that. I missed that growing from the four to the 11 year old. Yeah. And I know it sounds weird, but, but I'm very brutal and honest about it. But I've, I, it's plagued me, Mike. It's plagued me. It's cost me some beautiful friends, some beautiful women. Uh, and I'm not just saying beautiful because they're pretty. I'm talking about beautiful souls, yeah. good, good friends of mine. And, you know, I've I, I, I made my amends to them today. And I wasn't the, you know, I, wasn't a, I don't want to sound egotistical. I'm a bad-looking kid. But it, it, it was, 
the reason I was doing it because I was very broken and I needed affirmation from somewhere. And that's where I found my affirmation. I didn't find it in the Spanish class or the maths class or the, I found it in that. Um, I wish I didn't, I wish it hadn't happened to me, but maybe there's a reason why it happened to me. Well, it was definitely, it was clearly a, the women aspect was clearly a big influence on, on, on your early days, which shaped your sort of adult life. The other thing is obviously your dad. And, and, and I was, Wondering, like, do you do you remember the first time you realised your dad was, should we say, I mean, was, he he did criminal activity. Do you do you remember that moment? It was a distinct moment that just, happened. No, it, it, it evolved. It sort of just evolved. Yeah. It evolved. I see him have a there is in the book. I see him have two. I see him have one terrible fight. Well, I didn't see him have a fight. I see the aftermath of the fella fall against the car. I was about six or seven then. But I, used to, I found a diary of my dad's, it's here somewhere, in 1963 it was, and every entry is about me. I couldn't believe it. It's my sister as well, but it was all Michael was with me, Michael. He used to write a diary every day in case he got nicked and he could use it. No, I was there that day, it was, it was just the madness of his mind. He wrote a diary every day, nearly for 50 years. And I've got one in there and it's all about me. Michael this, Michael that, and I was thought, my God, I didn't really get it. And um, and and he had his own dysfunction. He only he had his own bad ways around relationships. So I picked that up from him. I know I did. And I think impregnated with this sort of abuse, I was on an idiom for nothing, and I wasn't a bad looking kid. But it created a real dysfunctional madness in me. Mm. You, you can't grow up hating yourself. Yeah, because, because when, when was but the... But I f- did. Yeah, but your first run-in with the police was quite young, wasn't it? Yeah, I first got nicked when I was 13. Yeah. Having a fight down in a place called Norburton. And uh, I don't know why I got put down as a ringleader. But even then, I, I, I used to I'd beat all the champions in the area at fighting. And then I got beat up by someone who was a, he was a rugby player called Chelly Carter. And I, so it was that opposite again. He, yeah. He smashed me right on the chops. As I fell over, a dog beat me up the ass in the park. My dad was devastated. I went home with a big black eye. Yeah. And uh, he said, he said, look, if you can't do him, hit him over the head with a piece of wood. My dad, I was 30, what charge you have? And then I had a fight with two other kids who had a naughty reputation, and I had them over. So there was always that going on. There was always that fear and fearless way of Michael. Mm. But, you know... You know, as I'm sitting here talking to you now, I wish I could go back and... Well, I have done therapy. I've gone back and loved him and said, come on, it's all right. Mm. Because if I continue in the vein that I'm continuing in now, that's why I really am into this Jesus stuff. Because I want to get to the stage where I am getting to the stage where what matters is what matters rather than what I think matters, if that makes sense. So what matters is love. What matters is kindness. Mm. What matters is peace. What matters, as I said in early days, is my relationships. Am I, is it honourable? Do I have integrity? Because that never grew in me. I didn't understand all that crap. It's, it's, I just think it was crap today. It's beautiful. To, to be, you know, the Bible says about love thy neighbour. Um, do I love my neighbour? How can I love my neighbour? I don't even love myself. I do nowadays, I'm talking about in the past. Mm. So I used to think my neighbours was my enemies. <gasps> I'm at it, I, I don't trust none of them. And I used to really suffer with bad rage, Michael. 
Uh, and it was that trauma child screaming. But when you're 30 and 40, and I had volatile relationships with women. You know, I, I, I used to have fights with women. Mm. I'm not talking about beat up. I mean, it, 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 didn't, it weren't always nice. But I had volatile relationships. And it seems to me... Very, the, very toxic. Yeah, and it seems yeah. to me the girls I was with used to like attacking me as well. And I sort of liked it. Mm. I've, I've been stabbed in the finger by a girl. I've been stabbed in the head by a girl. My, my relationship was a bit like Italian relationships, but it was all, and then it'd be I sex. Bang, bang, bang. That was the makeup thing. It reminds me, not quite, but I, I dated a, a southern Italian girl. It was very like that. Mm. Angry at you one minute, then mm. certain intensity the next. And I think girls, you know, I, I'm not. It doesn't exist today. That stuff doesn't exist today. Mm. And it's quite private and personal. So I want to be careful what we put out there. So I'm just sitting here telling you. But, um, you know, I've never put a woman in a in an home where they've been battered and bruised and beaten up. But I had very high... And I, and I don't mean to be rude. It, 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 it was an excitement, I think, for them and all. But love is love, and that's not love. That's mm. just toxic sex. But I was always had these... I was always in trouble with women. I was always having pots thrown at me and kettles and and, and, and flower vases, and, and I used to love it. <laughs> and, and it was just part of the game. And, and, and it was that trauma child. Mm. A trauma child could throw his bottle out the pram, yeah? Or break his action man up but when you're still trauma at 40 you, you don't break action men up no more or throw your bottle out the trauma is exactly the same emotion as a four-year-old kid and i'm being honest with you my levels of trauma after that happened to me was i remember screaming mm. i hated it but so today you know i mean both my all my ex-girlfriends and I'm not going to make that. I got, but I have got loads, quite a number of ex-girlfriends. They're all, they're all my pals. Yeah, that surprised me. To be all honest. of them, barring because, one. Because considering the toxicity of what you talked about in your book, it was quite shocking that you actually they're all my mates. Made amends, or at least you know have that have that. They all. Is, we, we. I love every single one of them today, and they love me. I mean, I was at my mother's funeral, and I don't think it was like, oh, I'm the big shot. I could nick all the birds. I think it was all mutual. I think I gravitated to broken women, and I'm not trying to be a, a big shot. I love women. I, I've got some of the most loveliest girlfriends today, not not ex-lovers. Hmm. I'm friends with women today that I really love. I really think women are excellent. I, I think they're brilliant. And in the Bible, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, if you go in the Old Testament, they were powerful women. Whether you believe it or not, it's not my business. But they're described as very... You know, I think for a woman to give birth, yeah, imagine giving birth. Let's have it right back in the day. Well, I mean, I've, I've watched my, my lovely ex-wife give birth to my children. And it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> It's it incredible. Fucking... The political side of it well, was Spain didn't renew the treaty with England about um, sending criminals back to the UK because of over the argument about, you can Google it, about 
Gibraltar. Gibraltar, yeah. So for a, a couple so of... So that, that's why you, you felt safe there. That was the general... And quite a lot of lads. Well, everyone went there because yeah. of that reason. And uh, absconding, just to, for clarity for, for audiences, essentially when, you, when you've got a, what, a court date or you're, or you're being chased? Or? Well, we call it going on your toes. Okay. And uh, that's sort of a London sort of uh, thing for when you abscond from um, going to court because you think you're going to prison. Mm. So I absconded. And, uh, you know, and it was, uh, there's, I really didn't sort of express it in the book. But yeah, but yesterday I, I sort of met with the son of the man who drove me in the car crash, in the car chase with the police. Uh, he was His dad was the reason why I absconded because we was in a lot of trouble. Yeah, so th this is the event leading up to, what, in, in London leading up to... So what happened to, was this, I, got, I was in a police chase, yeah, with this guy and he was wanted by the police, yeah. And he was wanted by the police for um, a, a weapon, some drugs, and um, he was a beautiful man, this geezer, but he was a very broken man, very misunderstood, and I think I was the only man he trusted. And it was really funny, I see his son yesterday, for the first time in, uh, in maybe, th oh, maybe 35 years, no, 30 years. He was, sorry, he was wanted at the time you weren't? No. And and you what you so what happened? You you were just driving around and you noticed noticed the no was no 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 we was up to we was up to no good. Um, we was we was selling bits we were selling drugs, and uh, and um, he come to me. We, we was together all the time, me and this boy, and it, and it's sort of seeing his son. It opened my heart again to him, and because uh, it was hid away, and he came to me. We we got some coke, and. Uh, the police knew half of his number plate, and as we as we was known to the police in the in the area, via my dad really because we was in Battersea, and um, the police drove past, and I was about to get in my car, and he was in his car, and it don't matter because it's years ago now, but he hid the cocaine in the steering. Well, I'm not going to tell how much he's there, Mike, so don't ask. He hid the steering wheel in the he hid the cocaine in the steer. He was a very clever boy actually. He had the steering wheel in the casing of, of, of the steering wheel. It was only a 1.4 Fiesta. And I had, that was his little car. I had a, not because of any other reasons, but it was, he was driving about with that car because it was a humble car and he was wanted by the police. And, 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 and as, a, as a criminal, he was a very dangerous man. But so misunderstood because he had a heart of gold, this kid. And I feel that he was one of the kids who, he, 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 drew, he, he drew the short straw in life, this kid. Mm. And that's why I loved him. I feel very sad talking about him right now. Anyway, as, I, as he goes to drive off, the police look at me, and I've had a few beers. And I said, hold up. I can't remember what I said. I said, should I jump in the motor with you? That mob. He said, yeah, come on. And we was in Battersea. And I don't know if you know Battersea, but Northcote Road Market. And do you know like them big hills in San Francisco that you see? And they see the yeah. police cases. Yeah, yeah. And the, I'm not saying it was like that, but it was similar. It was a smaller version of San Francisco. <laughs> okay. So there was about 10 roads that come down from the hill. So it's like a hill and a dike. And the dike's Northcote Road. It goes into a valley and then you go up again. So every road you cut across, 
there's 10 rows that run parallel, so you can see everything that goes down when you go across the three major rows that cut these 10 roads in thirds, let's say. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So It's, it's a grid, basically, so it's easier yeah, to... Yeah, that's it. To, yeah. yeah. So we had a shop, I had a shop there. It was a, it was a front. It was... Um, we used to call it upper-class brass. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a bathroom shop. And I used to sell Edwardian and Victorian bathrooms in there. That's a great name. Yeah, upper-class brass, it was called. <laughs> and there was all shenanigans oh, That's really on. immature of me to find out that funny. That is cool. I yeah. quite like that. Though. It's fucking brilliant. Great name, yeah, upper-class yeah, brass. Great, yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect at all, yeah. but that's Brilliant what it's called. So we come out of there, wallop. I've got the police guys, I've got to get in his... I've got to get in my car, I've seen the old bills, I'm going, hold up, I'll get in with him. Anyway, as we spin round to go down one of the San Francisco roads onto the North Cup, as we go across the North Cup Road, I've got him, I, I can't remember what I said, but I can imagine this is what I said. It's on us, let's be careful. All of a sudden, up they go. Now they're... They're lurking like the cat's going to catch the mouse. So they're... Boom. I've seen another one. I said, listen. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he could drive this boy. Oh, could he drive? Now, we're in a 1.4 Fiesta. Out he goes onto the Bolingbrook Road. And there's a helicopter up there. They've come from everywhere. They've now obviously know maybe who it might be. I'm not sure about that, but there's a there's an influence of violence. So when there's an influence of violence, they come firm-handed. So he went wallop onto the north. He come off the Bolingbrook Road, turned right into Nightingale Lane, which goes over Wandsworth Town Station, and then it goes right up to the top towards you're going towards Tooting Mentalone. But along that bit of Wandsworth Common, there's all lovely restaurants. He's on the pavement. God, I can't believe it. I'm sitting in the back of the car. Now, part of the consignment of the cocaine, Mike, don't ask me how much was there because I'm not going to tell not, you. I'm not going to ask. He's, he's on the seat as he's going to give it to someone on the way home. So I, I take it. I take my shoes and socks off, put the socks on my hands. I clean the bag. Right, okay, yeah, to cut, no fingerprints, right. Oh, hopefully, I'm, yeah, trying to, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get rid of that, but there's stuff in the steering wheel. So, whatever, uh, whatever. We're trying to think practical. Yeah. So we go up to the lights. Now we've got about two or three cars, maybe four. Bump, he's hitting cars, I'm in the back like that. We wind up on this new estate. It was a, They'd built houses there, these sort of... You know, these sort of semi-big houses, what they build, new builds. So I know the back doubles. Round there, round there. Now, all I don't know how we've managed it. I think because he drove so superbly, we've got some breathing space. I said, get into the mental home, and we're out of the car, we're going to run. I said, get into the mental home, I know the way through, yeah? So we're now 70-30 in our favour, yeah? We go through a... Back, ladies, a, 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 a person's front garden, massive front garden, and there's a young guy, and he, he he was rubbing down the front of a rowing boat. He was on this he was on this bench like that, and he's rubbing it down. All of a sudden, we come through the fence. He's looked, he's rolled off. We've gone through the other garden fence. I said, hold on, and I've gone wallop, and I've thrown.
to coke. Because we're now surrounded by this fence that's the fence for the mental one, mm. yeah? So the bit I throw catches the top of the fence and drops down, but I don't see that. So he reverses about, about 40 yards back, 40, 50 yards, maybe. And then, so he said that this fence, it was about 20, 30 foot long. And it went in a T, it went in a shape like, it was like a, like a, like a L. So he said, I said, go on, or whatever. Now, every six foot was a concrete post. It was corrugated with a concrete post. His aim was diabolical. Well, he hit the balls, I actually. He hit this concrete post right in the middle. We was doing about 40 mile an hour. 40, maybe. We're going at speed. Yeah. As he's hit it, the car has gone up like that. He's gone through the window screen. Bless you, bless you, Wayne. And he's 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 no he's, his bone pops out of his ooter. The steering wheel's embedded in his chest. It's gone through like that, which I believe may have been the saving game because it like Constantined it. Yeah. And I'm I'm in the back of the car, so I go forward like that, bang. I dislodge this knee, and I and and I have internal bleeding in my left ankle. As the car's gone. <laughs> I've looked at him and I can, I just, I can remember this. Oh, it was awful. Bless his heart. He's gone to try and run. I've gone to try and run. And we're finished. He's gone over, I've gone over. Police are there. The mother of the son who was um, messing about with the boat, she, I've got two inflatable things on my legs to take the pain away. Mm -hmm. the, the ambulances are there. Bah, she's hit me with a stick. She's hit him with a stick. Posh lady, how dare you? We go down St George's Hospital. They, they don't want us in the hospital. They, 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 they say the only way he can come out if he can move his knee. The police got this stuff, went bollock, got my knee like that. It was awful. We wound up in the police station that night, the two of us. We go to court the following morning. I'm in a wheelchair and on crutches, and he's got his arms in plaster of Paris, and he's got big black eyes, and we're in court like this. Now, we, I, I don't think up until then they'd found what was in the car. It was in such a mess, the car. And I think they were probably just satisfied. Maybe, I, I think so. Because we get remanded in, uh, in, uh, in Brixton. We were, on, we were on no man's land again between A and B wing. And we're going into a place they call Fraggle Rock. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the hospital wing and it's, it's noisy it's not nice and we're both in trouble I'm in this wheelchair so's he we, we, we do look well anyway it's about 8 o'clock at night and they're going to take us up and they shout out Emmett my prison number bow my dad's gone to judge in chambers and he's got me bow with a, a, a secure, secure I, I pulled up a, a, a friend of mine's mother Put the surety up, I think, of 20 or 30 grand on her house. They wheel me out of Brixton. And as I go through, because I can't go through the doors that you go out, they have to open the doors where the van goes out because I'm in the wheelchair and there's no wheelchair access. And who's standing at the other side of the door is my dad. You, Margie, when, what are you doing with these people? I didn't have to be active. I had, I had the source. I didn't have to run around being mad. Yeah. 
Anyway, cut a long story short, I'm out of prison, I go home, I, I, the following day I, I, I can sort of hobble about a little bit and go and see a mate of mine. And he, my mate of mine used to be the archer for the English um, cross-country archery. I can't say his name. And his name, first name's Steve. Okay. So because he was part of the English team, he knew real top physiotherapists, doctors, everything, stress-related, body-related. So he sent me to see this geezer down in Hampton, in Surrey, at the Silly Isles, and he said, you've got internal bleeding. Uh, anyway, I had some stuff done on it, blah, blah, blah. So within two or three months, I was sort of able to move about a little bit. So I decided you could get yearly passports then. So I got a yearly passport. I found out my court date. Uh, it, it's not like it used to be. They, I had three months to... I found out the court case, I believe. And I went and see my mate's mother. And I, and I timed the flight perfectly. I timed it on a, on, a, on a Sunday night. So I went round to see her. I said, listen, tonight... Now, if this hadn't worked, we'd have had to give her the money. Maybe it weren't 30 grand. I can't remember what it was. Don't Maybe, worry, we'll, we'll, but that don't matter. Does it? No, it's not too relevant. So no, don't worry. But yeah, but whatever. So maybe more like ten or something. I can't remember. And I'm normally good at things. I mean, like, listen, enough to put up part of your house. That's which, which, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but I'm funny about the truth. I'm weird with it. I don't want to. So anyway, I say to Gene, go to the police station at this time, right? time I'm leaving London it was I said going to the police station is exactly here. if anything goes wrong the, the money will be sorted out yeah, for you yeah, yeah. so God, I only amends that woman actually bless her ah. so <coughs> excuse me <coughs> quite emotional this so anyway I'm going to quicken up here so all of a sudden she goes to the police station he's absconded so she goes, late at night Sunday, I've had word that Michael Emmett's going to abscond. They go to my house at six o'clock in the morning, I'm gone, yeah? So it looked real. I go to Lanzarote, because right. it's Christmas, with my wife, Amy, and some friends of mine. Then I go into Spain, because you go to Marbella, because there's no extradition rights, and I've gone down to Spain, and um, I'm in Spain. Yeah. Uh, How old are you at this point? I'm 24. Okay. And then I got... And, and you, you had, had you done any time in the Nick before that? Yeah, I'd done only... I'd only uh, no, no. I, I'd been on remand twice. Fine. Uh, I was on remand when I was 20. And... Uh, yeah, no, once, sorry. Remand once. And this was... No. So, no. You, so you're... Yeah, you're 24. Lanzarote to my bear sort of thing. I wasn't perturbed about going to prison. Yeah. Because there's an old saying, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. And it's a real one. So I'm now out in Spain. I get up to mischief down there. Yeah, you, did, did you have... I don't want to speak about that today. Okay. I have to think about that for yeah, you, yeah. Mike. I hope you don't mind. No, no, not at all. And Because uh, that's another interesting story. Uh -huh. But I've got to put it in words. I want to think about that. And what happened then was was me and Martin, we was arguing. That's what we was talking about, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was the question, wasn't it? Well, well, you went to Marbella, obviously. I guess you got set up there to some extent. My, well, I got your, really your, looked after when I got there. My dad knew everyone down there. He had a reputation that, you know, he was a tough boy, my dad. So and it was quite easy to, I guess, what, start away life. 
When I just got, they, they got me a home straight away, a man called Henry Kennedy. Freddie Foreman was there. Um, all that, all, you should go, you Google it, they was called the, 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 the Famous Five. There was John May, uh, uh, Google their names and you'll get them. And up there. Ronnie Everett, John Mason, Ronnie Knight, Clifford Sachs, they was all there. Although I, only, I didn't know them that well, but I knew Fred, Freddie Foreman. Henry Kennedy was my dad's mate. There was old Jackie Kramer, who was fantastic. Jack was beautiful. Ah, I, I love Jack. When, when I, he moved me into a flat up at the back of the, out the old town, and it was when Sky first came out, and you weren't allowed to, allowed to have this. You had to send someone over to England, and they'd send you a card, because you, you weren't allowed to have Sky abroad. And um, so the next door to me, he had a, he had a little disc disc geezer. So Jack said, I know what I'll do. I'm a bit of an electrician. He weren't. <laughs> he said, but I'll plug you into him. I said, all right, go on, Jack, and the geezer caught us. <laughs> He's on the geezer's belt and he plugged him by Sky. So it was all fun. And then there was stuff that went on with Joe, Jackie Kramer. God rest his soul. He's dead now, Jack. He was a cracker. My, mate of my dad's. Oh, he was such a lovely man, Jack. Mm. And then there was people down there I knew. Um, from my sort of, there was a family member of mine there with his kids. He was a beautiful man. Oh, he was a beautiful man. And then there was some sort of other sort of, there was a little firm there who who was, um, they were wanted down there um, over some stuff with my, I think to do with, allegedly to do with my dad, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. So there was all that going on. And, and so it was like home from home. But I, I felt different. I was an addict. I was lonely. And as much as I was trying to get a fix off the... I, I, I miss me mum. It was mad. I was only, that's just how crazy it was. I miss me mum. I miss Tracy. I miss my daughter. Like everyone else would, but I was always that sort of melodramatic. It was always a bit dramatic for me. And I used to get drunk and stoned and phone up and cry down the phone. But then I'd be out the following day... That's the trauma child. The following yeah. day, I'd be acting like a lunatic, fighting. I had a very famous fight down there with a, with a guy called Eddie Ayoff. And Eddie fought, I think he fought Bob Foster for the Eliminator for the Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. And I shaped up with, to him. Me and my brother was there. Martin was there. His friends, lovely Adam, Francis. Lovely Francis. And um, bless you guys. And we was at a, a place called the Artola. And what used to happen in the Artola on a Sunday, the, all the chaps used to go, all the people who was wanted, not only everyone who was wanted, but Marbella then in 1984 was different. It was more like a village, yeah. And, 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 and so Estepona, which seems really close to Porto Banus now, then it seemed miles away. So Marbella to Porto Banus seemed miles, everything seemed miles away. And it's not. It says you grow older, you realise you sort of the law of gravity changes when you get older. And uh, so we was there, and there was young birds about, and, and I've got these young kids with me, my brother and his friends, and we go to the Artola. And what did the Artola used to be? It was a nine it was a nine hole golf course with a hotel, and they used to do roast pork, roast beef, all the Sunday all the Sunday trappings. There used to be an Irish geezer get up and sing, and everyone used to meet there of a Sunday, all the chaps, all the gangsters used to be there. So it was quite exciting. And there was a guy there called um there was a wrestler, his name was Joe, Joe, Joe Cornelius, and he was my dad's mate. And his son was running this place 
with a, a big scaffolder fella from Yorkshire, uh, from Liverpool who looked like David Botham, the cricket player, and Eddie A off the fighter. So we're all there, we're all having, singing old London Cockney songs. There's a bit of cocaine appeared. There's a few drinks, there's a few joints going on. There's all pretty girls. And everyone's having a groovy time, yeah? So something's happened. I only argued, it says three times in there. I argued with my brother three times in his existence, yeah? And twice was in Marbella. And once was another time when we didn't really have an argument. And I loved that boy like there was no tomorrow. Uh, seriously, there was no, it's, not, it's not a figment of my imagination. I can't say it about me dad, but I can say it about my brother. He was the nicest man I've ever met in my life. I can't say it about myself, neither. But I can say it about him and my mother. They were two of the most nicest people I've ever met in my life. I sincerely mean that. So I was blessed. So it, there's a bit of dialogue going on. We've had a few words outside. And... Uh, this Ian Botham character comes out because they think we've left without paying the bill. Well, we haven't. My friends are still in there. But I think there was a little bit of animosity there because they was like young boys and these other guys, like the girls, they were hairdressers and they sort of half liked these young chaps. So I think that was a bit. And they didn't know who we were. Anyway, as he's come out, this geezer, he said something to my brother. Now, you're going to have an argument with my brother and I'm there. You're going to make a mistake. I don't yeah. care who you are. Anyway, I've hit the geezer on the chin. And then Eddie comes out, the, the boxer. So all the, all the faces get in a circle, and he starts, Eddie. He goes, ping, 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 and he knocks the three of them over. My brother, young Adam, and Francis. All the gangsters are outside, and they're saying to me, listen, you can't do this, because the extra, if we get arrested for anything else other than what we're arrested for in the UK, they can ship us back for being undesirables. Yeah. Now, I'm not public enemy number one, but they're in trouble, but I'm not. I suppose I was looking at a bit of bird, you know. And uh, anyway, Eddie, he's whacked Adam, he's whacked Francis, and then he's hit me brother, and, and I've seen the mist has come down. So I said, come on, I'll have a fight with you. Now, I've, had, I've hit his mate who's on the floor. He's a bit bruised and buckled. And now he's up, and now Eddie's up. And Eddie's done three of us. Anyway, I shape up to Eddie. Rick it. You can't fight a man. Who, who, who was a contender for the title. You yeah. can't. You, you, you're silly. I thought I could. And I think even Freddie Foreman went, you sure? I said, I'll have a straightener with him. And they formed a semi sort of circle. Anyway, I went to kick him up the nuts. And he caught me with one, right? He, 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 bought, he was Welsh, this geezer. He bought it from the Welsh Valley. He's gone wallop. And he's hit <laughs> me on the oozer. <laughs> I broke me out nose. It was funny, actually. Yes. As I go I just on... just also the... like the way you said he brought, you brought it from the Welsh Valley, like it was fucking that hard. It was a naughty go, one. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. a naughty one. But as I've gone on the floor, someone shouts out, Welsh for England nil. <laughs> <laughs> that angered me. Yeah. So I get up and I dive on his back and I put my legs between his legs and my brother was a non-violent boy. Yeah. So I said, Mark, kick him. Kick him. He said, I can't. I said, Mark, kick him. Anyway, he kicked him up the privates. And he got stronger, this guy. He got stronger. I, I, I felt his testicles in his neck. But he threw me off like a rag doll. Anyway, it continues the fight, but I don't want to glorify that. But the following day, I get summoned by the sort of 
by the by the by the faces uh, to sort of you know in a kind way it was. They come and said to me, "What? No more settle the score, sort of thing." Yeah, yeah, you can't do this. You're with us. I wasn't really. I was with them in heart. You know, they said, "Look, you're you're down here. Your dad's our friend and that." And um, I guess what? Don't shake the water because absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So they make an arrangement for me to go and see Eddie the following day, and I remember looking through, and I mean, I, we were all damaged. We were damaged goods, but so was he. I was highly delighted when I see his face. He had a big cauliflower ear. He had a big thing on his face. And I think he was a little bit... Well, it goes back to the ego thing. You, you wanted to... He had status in, in, in a certain world and you, and you wanted to... Maybe. Prove the point as much as when you said, oh, I got done for 10 years. In, yeah. in that world, it was impressive. Same sort of thing, right? Same sort of thing, yeah. yeah. There was a little bit of notoriety with it. Yeah. But because it, was, was everybody... So there's like, one is a punchline to this. Go on, go on, sorry. There's a punchline yeah, to this. And it ends here. Yeah. So Fred arranges us for us to go and see him. He, he felt a bit sorry. There was one guy who wasn't really a fighter. Not sorry for him, but it was Francis. He was non-offensive. They all were non-offensive. So, you know, Fred said he's really apologetic for eating these young kids. So I send the young kid in to see if the ground's safe. I said, go on. So Eddie went, oh, boy. Oh. He was lovely, Eddie. So we all walk in. And... Uh, he looked at me and I looked at him. I got a bit, two black eyes, big bloody nose. They're all bruised, my brother and all that. But so's he. And he said, I'm very sorry, boy, another Welshman. Yeah. He said, but someone kicked me up the bollocks <laughs> and the bell went off. So he said. <laughs> so that was that. And, uh, and then we, you know, we progressed and they, and they went home. I'd just come back from doing some naughty stuff. I'd earned some money. And then they went home. This was in the, um, this was in the, um, in the in the spring of '85, and then my grandfather was uh, diagnosed with cancer. My mother's my mother's uh, father, lovely man called John Watkins. He was a beautiful man, John, an incredible man, he was a really lovely man. He was. So my mum sent mine out to be with me when my grandfather died, and. Um, We've read it. You've got the information, and um, and sadly, you know, and he, he died in a very sort of. It was a very un. It was a very brutal way. Um, you know, a lorry went over him in a car, and he was in a panda. Uh, so it wasn't a lot really, they could do with him. It, it, it was. Um, I don't want to go too deep into it, but it was very sort of a, a nasty death. You know, so I pray, cried out to God before. So he drove to Marbella. Obviously, he tried to get on the aeroplane and uh, phoned up my mum, but his money... My, all these things, uh, 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 you know, he couldn't get his money in the phone box. If he had it done, he wouldn't have been there when that lorry went. All that sort of stuff. All these small things in quick yeah. succession sort of led Absolutely. to... Absolutely. Yeah. So, it started with the fight. <coughs> you two had a bit of a Barney, right? We had an argument, yeah. yeah. That night, we had an argument. We'd been out all that night. Um, and we'd been out taking cocaine, and he wasn't really a cocaine head. And we went back, and we started to argue about my father. My father was seeing a different, another woman. It was quite painful. Um, but you know, my father had a child out of that relationship, so it, 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 something, you know, come from that. And that she's my sister, and, and you know, bless her, and bless her mother. You know, my my dad had my dad had feelings for these people, and it just happens now. She's my sister, and and, and but because it was related to 
quick succession after my brother died, there was a lot of anger and resentment. Martin was only six months in his grave when my younger sister was born. So it was hurtful, it was painful. I'm not saying he meant it like that, but it was quite painful and it was quite ruthless. And, and, And my mother, I'm not sure my mother was taken into consideration. Well, not at all. And I don't judge my dad, I don't judge the woman. So we was arguing about that, but we were sort of agreeing to disagree. He left, and um, I went and got him by the ball ring, and I, I bought him back, gave him some... I don't know why they put that £1,000 and gave him half of it in. I suppose it's just good for a book, but but that was the truth, so I must have said that because it is the truth. And, um, and um, you know, he, he came back. I remember him taking the car, and I heard... But what he had to do, he never had his passport. And my friend who I'd been out with that night, we'd had a bit of drink and some coke and that. And, uh, you know, it was glitzy Marbella, or July the 29th, it was baking hot. My mate left his door open, Martin went in. And, now, if my mate would have locked his door, Martin couldn't have gone in. He'd had to knock on the door, but he got in, got his passport. But he came back, and I was asleep, and he left a note there. That's when he left. And I think he got to Marbella and on, on the way back, probably, I think it was 11 o'clock the following morning or something like that, I think it was. You know, he'd, he'd, been, he'd had probably no sleep. He was rushing to get back to me. He's, um, his girlfriend was three months pregnant with his son. Mm. And, um, yeah, tragic. And wallop, that was it. And he, and he died at 21, is that right? He was 21 years of age. He, yeah. he was 21 in the December... And he died in the in the July, so he was nearly on his going towards his twenty second birthday. But no. he was a beautiful boy. Oh, I, I remember in the book. Uh, uh, sorry, to, uh, I just want to touch on this a little bit. Uh, You're cool, the, Mike. The the um, the thing that really stood out for me on that particular section was your dad essentially blames you for his death. Yeah. I mean, what was that like? Because you had so much trauma and such a disjointed relationship with your father at this stage. Well, what was? Yeah. Did, did it just? Caused the rift even more, and then and then you distanced yourself for quite a few years, or because yeah. I, I, I remember you obviously you went back to England quite soon after that, right? Yeah, for, I went for back, the funeral. Yeah, yeah, and then after that, yeah, it was yeah, Mike. Uh, it, it really separated us because you know he arrived in Spain drunk. Um, he, he, he abused the the the, the police, the, the passport control. He was with his dear friend Arthur Sutty, and, and I, I was really, really happy because I didn't realise. But Tracy was with him, and seeing Tracy was like wow. And she was the mother of my children. Oh, I adored her, Tracy, bless her, and I still do in my own way today. And um, right, Madam Tracy, and it's her being there made it. Anyway, we drove to the morgue, and it was really, really uncomfortable, and. Uh, when the police went to the house in the night time, they thought it was me because it was it had to be Michael. It couldn't be Martin. He was he was you know he was the he was the baby and the special one. It had to be me because I was the mad one. And uh, it was just a shock to a community. Martin was a very beautiful boy, a popular boy, and my dad thought it was me. Then he blamed me for killing him in his drunken stupor. Mm. And then when we got in the morgue. He, um, I mean, it was it was terrible in the, in the, to look down to the coffin. It was it was a face and whatever. It was, it, you could just see. 
And uh, I pulled the sheet back. I shouldn't have pulled the sheet back from his face because they just showed us it, that eye. That it, all they showed us was that. And I put and there was a and it was it wasn't nice. And my dad wanted to get him out of the coffin, but it was so hurt. My dad just thought he wanted to hold his son for the last time. Now, if he'd have died of natural causes or it hadn't have been so brutal, I'd have supported my dad. And I said, get him out. He wants to hold his boy. It's his son. He wants to hold his boy. He's never going to hold him again. Let him hold him. I'd have supported him. But I saw that it was impossible. It, 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 there was nothing really to cuddle or hold. It was bits of... It was awful. And maybe that... I'm sure that's true. And... He turned on me, and the, the guy come running out. He said, I'll call the police. Tracy spoke a little bit of Spanish, a broken Spanish, and they, she said, Mike, stop it. They're going to get you, you and the old man in trouble here. He went, get my fucking son out of that coffin. I want my son. I want... And I was with him, but I knew. I could have made one with him otherwise. And then we went out, and he said, this is your fault. You killed him, me. So we had three or four days of hardship. We had a, we rolled about on the floor. He, he, he pretended to have an heart attack. He was in love with this other woman, so he was distraught. He didn't know his elbow from his ass. But I don't want to decry him because he loved my brother. But my dad never recovered. He never recovered from my brother dying, and he, he never recovered from the shame of his actions. It tormented him. And it was it's when the Emmett family... This happens to a lot of people, but we're very emotionally highly strung people, and it really the cords of the unity of the of, of the unity of the five of us were broken that day. It was gone. It's finished. That, that that the dream was over, and I was 24, 25. The dream was over. It's gone. Finished. And and that's what happened. And um, and he was his girlfriend. She's beautiful, 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 beautiful lady. Beautiful lady. She gave birth to his son six months after. Charles, incredible young kid. Yeah, he, he mentioned when we were talking earlier outside, and that's the one that you said. Beautiful. You know, do you like yourself? And, 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 but the other thing that stood out for me with that was that, came, that, that conversation came about because from what I could tell from the book was he said, I don't really have any affiliation to Martin, my father, because I never met him. Mm. And that, you, you did, that really, for a while, you struggled with that, didn't you? I struggled with it before he said it because I wanted to take him to the cemetery. I wanted him to feel what he had to feel. I wanted him to be upset. Mm. But but he wasn't because... And then he tried to communicate. I mean, he's got... He's, his dad, Robbie, I mean, they have a superb relationship. So is that as in his... He's, 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 he's his father here on earth. His stepfather, so to speak. Yeah, he's his dad. Because well, he brought him up. Yeah. He, he, he brought him up and, yeah, yeah. and he's his dad. Mm. So it took me a while to, to agree with that in my head. And there was a bit, a few little tight bits. But Robbie and, 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 and Helen, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's lovely Ella, Jack, Joseph and Charles. And, and Ella's got a, uh, a beautiful son called Nathan. And Robbie's a, he's, he's a first-class father, first-class. And there's no, there's no uh, you know, they're brothers and sisters. He's their dad. And I think it's incredible what he's done, that man. I think it's beautiful what he's done. It hasn't always been easy, but it's incredible what he's done. And, and Charles is part of a... He has brothers and sisters and a mum and dad. And I think he has every entitlement to that. Yeah. But I struggled with that for a while. But when we, when we was coming down the road in the car and... Uh, 
I said, we were talking away. And I'd, I'd, been, I'd been sort of scratching at him for a long time because I was very close to Charles when he was a boy. I, used to, I, I spent a lot of time with him. He travelled with me. I took him to all the football games, all the rugby matches. Every, every holiday I went on, Charles came with me. And that was OK. That was a good 10, good ten years, first 10 years of his life. That was OK for me to do that. And, um, and uh, we were driving along in a car and he, he said to me, and I thought it was very adult of him, very mature of him. He said, you know, you want me to tell you I love Martin? So I said, yeah, I do. He said, well, I can't tell you that because I don't know him. And I thought, well, that's, a, that's a, 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 an adult thing to say. And then I said to him, OK, I said, do you, do you like, you love yourself? You know, in a way, do you like yourself? So he said, yeah, I do. I said, well, then you love your dad, Martin. I said, because you're his double. So it ended the thing of me, it ended my expectations and it ended it, I couldn't be angry or upset with Charles if you said there's five million pounds down in the lift. I'd say, I'm sorry, you better keep it. If there was 100 million pounds, I'm, I'm being serious. Charles to me is, ah, oh, he's, he's just, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader of his fan club. I, I came off a lot of drugs then, I was taking a lot of drugs, I came off drugs and I settled myself down and I, I immediately got involved with the connection from my father to uh, a very high, um, let, let's say, let me get the words right for you, Mike. It was a international crime at its highest. International smugglers from many places abroad. Um, there was Croatians involved. There was, there was some Europeans involved. There was some, uh, some. There's all sorts involved. Dutch. There was all, and and, and what they do, they and I, I can't say too much on this podcast, Michael, but by by allegedly, allegedly, they move this stuff around the world, uh, a, a, a huge amount of it, and then they distribute it to different parts of around the world, and and that wasn't my business. That was their business. But they was involved, I believe, allegedly, with um, some, some same shipping, which, which, was attached to the, which was attached to the cartel movements out in, out in America. Don't ask me to name anyone, Mike, so I won't. And, um, and so it was organised crime at a really high level. And that wasn't what we was involved with. But we happened to be involved with the same... The same transport, I believe, yeah? So what was around these people was high-intent smuggling, yeah? Um, and and I, I, I know you want me to make it exciting and funny, and, that, and I could, but I can't. No, no, no. It's, it's more the, sto- it's the story, and it connects, obviously, to, the, yeah. to your, your, I guess, what potentially your worst moment when you, when you got arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a part of that because... It breeds off people. You know it's serious. You know these people are dangerous, and you, and and, you, and you're living on the edge, and 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 you're talking about multi-million pounds. Mm. So you can't, you know, you can't be wet behind the ears, and you can't be showing them that you're frightened of mice, yeah. <laughs> right? So you can't. So, but they'd seen that, and, and I, I suppose they laughed at it. I was stoned or whatever, but now it's becoming serious, and and I, I the people I can name, it, it was of. There's a very wonderful man, and uh, his name was Dennis Lamonnier. And he was the connection between me and the group. 
and he was a uh, French Basque. He was a uh, he, he was into what grew from the earth, and it, be it sort of unusual vegetables. He used to grow his own cannabis. He, he, he was into jewels, the, the, the rubies and the emeralds of the world. Um, he was a very bright man, a very intelligent man. And, 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 and not to be disrespectful to you, Dennis, but he was a right scruffy guy. You would never, ever, ever believe he was this guy. Never believe. And we became friends. And he used to come and meet me and he'd go, did I have to have a little bit of this, Michael? And it would be his homegrown grass. And we got acquainted. And in, in that acquaintance, you would have never believed that we was about to organise one of the biggest importations into the UK at that time. We, we chilled out together. Um, but because of the... My father had been arrested a, a few... A, a, about, a, about two years previous with his, with his friend Joe Parle. And they got out of a, a, a um, I think it was 800 kilo of cannabis and, and something happened where a witness sort of, I think he told lies and the case got dropped. But they wanted my dad and Joe Parle. Yeah, they got Joe, they give him 14 and a half years. He's a very good man, Joe Parle. And, and my, him and my dad went their own ways and um, <clears throat> Joe got 14 years. But when they went their own ways, they was told by the police, in other words, stop, you got away with it for far too long. And I think they was on the hit list for a number of years, him and my father, uh, under heavy surveillance with with sort of the uh, drug squad and the customs and excise. So we down tools for a minute. Dad said, you want to go to work? I said, yeah. We're out in Spain. I meet Daniela and I'm up to Dennis Lamollier again. Yeah, so me and Dennis become friends and now it's getting serious, yeah. So they try something where we're not totally involved, but we, we, we suggest that we could help them, yeah? And we, I, I can't go into too much detail, but we try to help them and the load gets aborted in the, in, 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 out at sea. Um, the police then see what we're trying to do. They put a surveillance on us and because they've got the ump with my dad from the previous uh, time he got out the last bit, him and Joe. Now, it, the, the puzzles fit in, but the information wasn't, about England, it was abroad. They wanted this group of people, I believe. Um, and it became an international um, operation with America, I believe. Um, there was about five major countries that was attached to, to getting this. It was massive. It was absolutely massive. The intensity of, of their security when I, when I look back at it, although I, I, I realised what was going on a few times, but I chose to dismiss it because of the greed, yeah? Um, and we got information from a certain person that they was looking at us badly, so we down tools. And we down tools for a couple of months. But you get itchy feet. Lamonnier came back to me and said to me, uh, or it wasn't Lamonnier, someone else came back to me and said, um, do you want to have another go? This was about nine months later. And I said, yeah, come on, we'll have a go. But this time we got involved, yeah? And we created the entry into the UK down at, um, and trust me, I wouldn't tell you this, but you can Google this and find this out. Uh, we got involved, uh, my co-defendant, he lived in a fishing village um, in Westwood Ho in Devon. And, um, and trust me, I wouldn't be telling you. One thing I don't do is tell tales, but you Google it. Um, it's in the book. 
Um, and so we, I approached my, my partner and said, can you do this? Um, he said, I'll try. And he come up with an arrangement where a fisherman got produced and he was an, I'll tell you what, this man, the fisherman, he was an incredible man. He was one tough guy, great sense of humour. They had a head on him like a bag nails into the wall. Great guy, him and his son, Stephen. Funny enough, his name, his surname was Fishley. So what, what allegedly happened there, that they went and got loads of fish, caught it prior to the, the, the uh, entry into the UK, and they froze all this fish, and then they went out, allegedly, and picked it up. The cannabis. Uh, they said it was four and a half tonne, I believe it was five tonne. But... Um, the come home, it's a very tidal, uh, Westwood O, the, the tide, it's very tidal there. So you have to come in with a tide, it's low tide, high tide. So we're due at home on the Sunday night at midnight, on the snow, November the 7th. But Dick got a fair run home. Um, they loaded all the fish, the frozen fish, into them big yellow uh, fish containers. And inside it, they put the cannabis. So it was the, the, the cod and the cannabis. They called my dad the codfather. They did <laughs> in the newspaper, the codfather. He didn't like that. Oh, so, so when, this, when the story broke out, that was, he was the headline, headline name, the codfather? In one of the newspapers, yeah, yeah the codfather. So it was, all, it, was, it was a big operation because there was 18 of us nicked and they need three or four policemen to nick one guy. Yeah. So there was about 60 officers there. Yeah. 12 were armed or 16. I don't know why them figures jump about in my head. So... We we arrange it. We arrange it for it to be the entry into the UK, and um, so you know we're we're up and running. We do what we got to do. I'm out in Spain. Uh, all the meetings are there's meant to be high level security, but don't matter how clever you are, when it's on you, it's on you. So there was no escaping it. The only way out of it was not to do it. We I fancied there was trouble in the air. But then you dismiss it, you, you dismiss it, and you go, oh, well, whatever, you dismiss it. And greed played a major part. But I wasn't that foolish enough to do it without knowing that there could be some sort of dangerous implications because of what we tried to do previous. You know, we're not stupid. You know, they, they, don't, they don't find loads of cannabis in the sea uh, and go, oh, we found loads of cannabis. You know, there, there's always a story behind it. But this group of boys that we work with, none of them were criminals besides really Peter and Lamontier. And these fishermen and these fishmongers, I've got to be truthful with you, they were first class. They kept their mouth shut. They'd done their job. They was cool, these guys. A guy called Tony, Fred, I think he died. A couple of other people were involved. But first class. Absolutely first class. And I tip my hat to them, and I mean that. I haven't seen him for many years, but I will go and see him. So the entry was into the UK. He came home 11 hours on the, on the high tide and he arrived back in Biddeford at midday on the Sunday. Should have been the night time. We came down about... The, the, the boat was there in the afternoon. We went into the village and, and Dick Fishley come out of the pub. He's meant to be at sea. What are you doing? He said... It's down there. And where the tide was out, the boat was over on its side. Right, I see, okay. And the cannabis was in yeah, it. Yeah, so it's the stuck boat. there, basically. Stuck there till the tide yeah, came up. Yeah, okay. So 
he pointed at a boat and I thought, we've cracked it. So I, I went and we had this, um, it was funny actually, we had this way of talking to each other which we thought was safe. And it was, uh, in Europe, there was a, it was sort of a, uh, a recording that you could call. It was a number in France and you would leave a message and your voice would come out as a Donald Duck voice. But when you left that message, you had to bleep someone at the particular time. So it would only be live for a matter of maximum a minute and it, and it would be deleted. Whether that was safe or not, I don't know. So I, 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 when it came, when the stuff was on the floor, in the in Biddeford, I I I moved to a, a a phone box. I bleeped both my father and Lamonier, and and I, and all I said was sweet. So they're a bit confused because we've got another twelve hours to go. So that's all I said, sweet. So Lamonier leaves wherever he was. I don't know where he was, but he went to a phone box to respond to the message. Yeah, because I bleeped him. And when he went into the phone box, they got him there. So they, and that was in London, they got him. My dad slipped the net and went down to Brighton. He was in a hotel down in Brighton. He nearly got away. They found him, he ran and he chased, they chased him. And he hid under a tarpaulin, in the, but he was under an alias name. Uh, and he tumbled it because another bleep come through. And I, said, and I put on the bleep, it weren't me, it was the police. I put the eagle was landed, and he knows I don't use words like that, and he got suspicious. So he left the hotel room. He's then wife and my younger sister. And he went, as he was coming down the stairs, he was only in a sort of small B&B, it wouldn't be anything sort of cocky, me dad. They wouldn't be in the Grand in Brighton, he'd be in the little B&B round the corner, that's how he rolled. And uh, he came down the stairs, and as he looked down the stairs, by all accounts, he sees a copper in a uniform. Now, he doesn't relate this crime to coppers in uniforms, so he's 50-50. So he stays and listens, and they said, excuse me, but have you got um, my Brian Emmett here? He can't believe it. So he runs up, up into the room, gets his diary, puts his diary down the toilet. Apparently it flooded all the... It got caught in the uh, toilet and flooded the whole place, apparently. So he made his way downstairs. As he's running down the stairs, the, the fire exit, he opens one of the windows. This is what he tells me and they're in the garden. So they shout up. I, I think I got told this by, I'm not sure, someone told me. They shout up, and, and it's my dad at the window. And he goes, it's all right, he's not here. And they go, all right. <laughs> so he runs down the stairs, and he hides under a tarpaulin in a disused bath. And he said they came in and searched it. He said, and they, they, they was all right, and, and they went to leave. And he said, have you looked under that tarpaulin? He said, my heart sank. He said, no. And they hit him with a broom, whacked him. So, um, ah, he screamed, he's nicked, yeah. Now, they wanted him more than they wanted us he, because of his past activities, mm. and they wanted him badly, and he'd reigned for many years. You've got to remember, he was 63 when he got arrested, and he'd, he'd, he'd got away with it for years. Um, well, yeah. so, sorry, these two got arrested before you? Yeah, they was arrested yeah. before us. We never knew. Yeah, we was now going making our way. But they, but they clocked onto that phone line. They, they so the, and that's how they kind of got a hold of. Uh, was it Mounier? Was it Lo, Dennis Lamolier? Lamolier. Yeah, yeah. So that's how they got a hold of him, and then your dad, and then obviously your next, yeah. right? Well, we don't know they're arrested. Mm. Yeah, uh, I, I think they done Lamolier 
when he went to the phone box. But I think they'd done the old man at the same time they rested us late in the night. <coughs> Excuse me. So, I think so. So then we go down to Biddeford. We wait at uh, Peter's house. And um, me, Trotter and Peter. And we drive down. They, they, sorry, come back to that. There's... Um, they go down uh, in the night time and as they're unloading, they're nicked. Now, it's pretty risky what they've done. And the more I think about it, they must have fought maybe, I don't know, but nicking them first. Oh, you, you think that was the risky part from the police? Well, that, because that could have, this, well, this, 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 I guess the message could have got to you, right? Yeah. yeah. So I often wondered what happened, but it was obviously about... Mm. But they wasn't, a, I don't know why, but they allowed us to drive into Biddeford. And there's only one way into Biddeford and, and one way out, and that's over a small bridge. And Alan, uh, my mate Alan had been driving for us down in Spain. And when he came back, he used to keep driving on the wrong side of the road. I'd say, how oh, you're on the wrong side of the road? It was because of Spain. Yeah. So as we come over the bridge, I, was, I said, how oh, you're on the wrong side of the road? He said, no, I'm not. And this golf, wow. the light went on the golf. And, and then, they, boom, an allergen light came on. A Peter run. It's police, yeah. Michael Emmett, get out of the car and put your hands on your head and all that. There was night sights. I believe there was night sights. And I, I, I hid in the, in the small of the car like that. Like that, so they couldn't see me. I was trying to get out. I, I put my finger on it, because it was an old Cortina. Put my finger on it so he couldn't get out. And I said to him, fucking drive. He said, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. I said, drive, Al. Just drive. And it was a... He was gone. He was gone. He wasn't a young man. Bless his heart. He was my mate. He was an underdog, Al. And uh, the car stalled. Brave Peter Brackett. He was very brave. He was very brave. Trust me. He jumped out the car, and I, I'm, I'm sure this is true. He tried to dive into the sea. Now, it's freezing cold November, and it was cold. I'm not sure what would have happened to him. They might have done him a favour doing it. Anyway, they've got him, he was a, and he's a big boy, big old Eddie on it, Eddie on him. And they was hitting him with a gun, bang, bang. And he was sort of right at me, yeah, and I've got out of the car like that. And um, but you, I said, no, I'm doing anything. Oh, fuck off. And it was like surreal. It was surreal what happened. I could see Peter was getting a clump. I sort of think, I said, leave him alone. And he weren't having it, Peter. He was, he was struggling with him, Peter, and he was like an ox, this geezer. <laughs> and I think they was under, under the cost with him a little bit, Peter. But they, obviously they, they tamed him down, as they do with guns, and, and you're outnumbered. And then, um, and it was surreal. It was like, a bit like that light there it was. And there's all these... Guns here on the on the key side. Sure, there was a number of guns. It was like, yeah, it was everywhere. And then they're coming towards me, but it, it was very sort of cinematic. It yeah. was it was very sort of light and you know, cut take two. Like you, that could have easily happened. It, it, it felt really like the movies. Absolutely, yeah. it, did. it really did. But you, none of you were were armed, were you? No, no. We, that, they, they just probably just simply because it's such a big drug case, they're probably. I think it was the influence of Le Monnier's people. Mm. There was the influence of my dad. Uh, but I don't think they'd have come that heavy for Brian. They, they, they'd, have, they'd have come him strong, don't worry about that. But this was, this was a high level of security.
And even I, I remember thinking that night, this is not right. This is not right. You know, I've been arrested before, nothing like this. And I believe it was the intensity of the people that was the owners and, 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 and in the, in, in the uh, you know, that it come out in the paper that they, find, they found a Moyet painting, copious amounts of other drugs, millions and millions of pounds, nothing to do with us, in their bus abroad. So it come out in the, the paper. Whether that was true or not, I don't know, Michael. Well, I do know, but... Um, so it was intense, and they called it Operation Plimpsoll. And they, they arrested, I think there was over 100 people arrested. So it wasn't just us. And that was sporadically around whatever that was. But we was attached. So we wasn't involved with that level of the organised crime. But our level was as big because we all had a job to do. And it was serious. It wasn't like, oh, this is OK. Let's... And also you're connected to such a big shipment. Massive. Yeah. You're not going to get it out of me, Mike, yeah. but it was massive. <laughs> so... I wasn't, I wasn't tired. I wasn't no, tired. you're cool. You're cool. Don't worry well, about so, that. So, son. so you oh. get arrested, and, what, and then, and then you, and you and your dad, and a few other people get twelve yeah. years. Am I right? We get arrested, and we get twelve years. as this sort of thing at the quayside. But it was where my old life ended, and my new life began. It, it was, it was a relief, if you want to know the truth. Mm. And I went into prison. It's funny you say that. I find that such a. Mm. I think, Frank. I said to yeah. myself, "Thank God, it's over." I'd had enough. It was, in, it was really intense. And the fun had gone out of it. Yeah. And how much money can you spend? How much money can you earn? And, you know, we'd, we'd lost sort of whatever we'd lost. And, uh, and um, we was there, you know, gunned up, smashed about, thrown in the police station. And like, <sighs> but when they moved us, when we used to go to court, it was intense. They'd have armed bulletproofs. Um, and I used to think, what is this about? Why is it so serious? Helicopters. And they thought, the Lamonier, they thought they were going to get Lamonier off the bus, escape from him. And um, the bigger it got, the smaller my dad got, because I thought he, thought he thought it was over him, but it wasn't. Some of it was. And then we get 12 and a half years, yeah. And, then, and you said sharing a cell with your dad at that point? Two scratch holes in the cell with my dad next door to, um, to Bill over there. To Bill? <laughs> no. I was. I got twelve and a half years. Twelve and a half years. Two years with my dad in a cell. What was that like? Getting stoned. Re yeah. Getting high. So we 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 were talking about this, as as a I guess what very it's very alien to us or just naive about it. It does it does sound crazy how many drugs get into prison. Is that is that something you could talk about? Does it? Is it? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about that. Because it's everywhere, right? I ain't got a clue. I ain't been in there for years, Mike. But, but I mean, when you were there, it was, yeah. it was very prominent. You could well, get pretty much what you wanted, right? Uh, I don't know whatever you wanted. It's, uh, it's just angles of, you know, big banks are crooked, aren't they? Sure. Um, they so it's, it's, just a, it's just a world we live in. So did, could you get drugs in prison? Yeah, of course you could. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how you get them in there. But yeah, they was. I'd love to know that one. <laughs> I'll tell you off. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, tell off. me off. Tell me off camera. Yeah, off camera. 